Oliver Anthony, and I remember looking at his uh, social media pages, his YouTube page, uh, the day after he first started to be a, a giant talking point a lot of places, and I saw a bunch of um, music and things where he was saying he was not political, uh, even other reactions to it, and he has since come out a couple times and said, I'm not political, I'm not really happy the Republicans and the Republican Party is so embracing my message because they're a part of the problem, too. That's his words, not mine. Uh, but I do think some stuff he said to Joe Rogan is interesting. However, I'll, I'll do that second because I, I want to play the Mitch McConnell audio again. Senator Mitch McConnell was uh, speaking, answering questions from reporters. He was in Kentucky and he, he froze and he struggled uh, again a lot. And it seems as though he is perfectly fine and then definitely not fine. And then eventually maybe recovers somewhat. Uh, last time this happened, he was walked away from the podium. He came back to the podium later. He refused to answer questions about if he was okay or not. And he behaved more like he normally would. I don't know what this is a sign of. If it's a sign of some sort of, you know, stroke happening, mini stroke. If it's some sort of sign of, of dementia of some kind. I don't know what's occurring. But I know that this is not a normal occurrence. And that from a health standpoint, it does seem like Mitch McConnell is someone who probably shouldn't be in office anymore to say it as extreme as possible, uh, which I know probably wouldn't be the worst thing to some people from a political standpoint. But um, just as a human being from like a health standpoint, uh, that should matter more. We, you shouldn't cheer on uh, people's health diminishing and you shouldn't ignore it when it's getting to be this point. But here we go. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. That's right. This is live audio. I'm not doing anything to manipulate this. He asked, what are my thoughts about what um, running for reelection in 2026? And he goes from standing and sort of just staring forward to actually closing his mouth the way he did the last time. He has, you know, uh, both lips sort of uh, puckered shut and he just stands there and sort of looks away from everyone. Question, Senator, running for reelection in 2026. Did you hear the question? Yes. He actually got the word yes out. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. They don't take him away yet, though. He's still standing there. And more people are walking up to him to ask him certain questions. Okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. Okay, is what he says. And then somebody else have a question, please speak up, is where the next person goes. And eventually, as I said, they did totally walk him off. But that's 46 seconds where he got four to five total words out after the initial uh, sentence. And this matters. And I know a lot of people say that, you know, older politicians shouldn't be in their positions anymore at a certain age. There, there's just a, a cutoff there. And that's not true. And I don't agree with that. And I don't think that that makes sense as long as you're mentally capable. But I think what does make sense is that if signs of being mentally incapable start to show, and there's a lot of politicians uh, that you can name, not just the president, that feel like they're in that boat, that you cannot deny them. You can't pretend they don't exist. You can't try to ignore them away. I don't know if McConnell will do that this time. It did happen last time. It essentially became a, a non-issue, non-conversation until now it happens again. But it, it seems to be 
at least now, a a couple instances in a very short period of time. Um, people like John Fetterman shouldn't be in office. And that's not because I'm trying to say that he's of a political party. I don't want in a position of power, and so he should be out of office. You shouldn't be trying to recover from a, a heart attack by being a politician. That seems like the worst possible decision you could make in your life. And I, I'm not surprised that Fetterman wound up getting treated for depression and other things, too, and that he's still struggling to speak in a way that that works all the time. And, of course, Biden is in that boat, Diane Feinstein. There's a bunch of people uh, who fall into the category of let's just be human beings about this and decide that these individuals shouldn't be in these high-pressure uh, types of gigs anymore. Because I imagine no matter how you operate in the government, and I'm not a fan of a lot of politicians, much like Oliver Anthony is not, and I'll get to his audio in a second. Uh, but I will say that it has to be a high-pressure job no matter how you do it. And so it seems even more so important to... Uh, pay attention to those who are no longer physically or mentally capable of those gigs. And I think that is a true sentence of the current president and most voters. 69% of Democrats, a stat I'll keep throwing out there, think that Biden is too old to run for re-election. And there's a lot of conspiracy theory. There's a lot of people that say he's not really running. He's going to back down at some point. I think the only person who doesn't think that is Joe Biden. And I think that's a problem for the Democratic Party. Because they'd probably like him. I imagine they very much would like him not to run. And so if at some point he does back out for some reason, if his mental health or some other thing somehow gets even worse, uh, there's some other moment, much like a Mitch McConnell moment. I imagine that's the end. But I will remind people about this. Uh, Biden is someone who was pushed to not run in 2016 uh, when Hillary Clinton got the nomination. He wanted to run. I think by all reports, Obama himself told uh, Biden to sit back. And then when Hillary lost in 2020, Biden decided this is the time for me. This is it for me. Stroke, not a heart attack. Yes, I, Bill, I think that you're probably right about that. I think that there's probably a chance that that is uh, correct as far as a text that just came in to me a second ago. Uh, and I know that, you know, uh, mini strokes are even a thing that can cause a sort of uh, slow or short uh, interruption in someone. But this would be two in a very short period of time. So I think there's uh, definitely a physical health thing, at least if not a mental health. It could also be dementia, uh, just losing your train of thought, losing your understanding of what's going on for a moment and then snapping back. It could be the early stages of something like that. All right, let's get to Oliver Anthony. I think this is really interesting, as I said. A couple bad words that I took out, um, but he and actually one, he used the F word in, in a piece of audio that I didn't I didn't even bleep. I just removed it. And he said that he doesn't use that word a lot, but he was in a life that does um, that is best described by that word, the use of that word to talk about where he was, which is all stuff we don't know about him. Oliver Anthony is a pretty significant unknown. And the idea now, or the belief now, and he's said it himself, is that he's been offered multi-million dollar contracts for record deals and said no, said no interest at all, and not just because of control of the music. It sounds like because he has an ulterior um, a motive for himself, for his life, and maybe even protecting himself from some of the vices that were a problem in his past up until his 30s, which he addresses here as well. I'm not the guy that can play in front of 12,000 people on guitar. I would be like... I mean, I had never played a paid gig when we when we played the show at the farm market where Jamie Johnson showed up. That was my first paid gig. Like, I'm not a guy to go out and play live shows, but I can tell you I was so like um, I was just so at peace being up there. Like, it just felt like that's where I was supposed to be. I just decided like right then and there, I was like, I know I can't do this anymore. And but I know I know that I can. I know there's things that I need to do. And I just 
I was just just told God, I was like, just let me do it. I'll give up the weed and I'll quit getting drunk and I'll quit um, I'll quit being so angry about things and I'll just like well, I'll just call it good. Whatever I've done up from from up until I was thirty or whatever thirty one, like I'll we'll just call that good and I'll start over again. And um, you know, I want to stop it right there for a second. I've had this hypothesis for a while with people who wind up discovering faith in their 30s, in their 40s, uh, and especially people like Oliver Anthony, who said he was raised in a church, uh, but wound up distancing himself from that church before uh, coming back to faith. It doesn't sound like he's actually come back to church of any kind, and I don't know exactly what uh, his faith is, other than he sounds like a Christian and he's reading the Bible. Uh, But I think that that's one of the more powerful calls in the world of faith, is that, and this is my understanding of it, and somebody, anybody who's more intelligent than me, correct me if I'm wrong, is that forgiveness is offered. Uh, if if you're asking uh, to, you know, repent for your wrongdoing, you're asking to have uh, a opportunity to change, to be a different person, then forgiveness seems like one of the most powerful aspects. And doing it the way that Oliver Anthony just said, dismissing my past, uh, learning from it, I guess, is is something people hope that's also happening. But moving on from it in a way where I'm focused on the future and being a better or different person. I think I know a few people in my life, especially people who are not necessarily Catholic, but of different uh, Christian, um, you know, faiths who who feel that way, who feel as though at some point, while rejecting faith at, at times in their life, eventually it became a a need for them, and it improved who they are as a person. So I don't know if that's a, a chicken and an egg thing. I don't know if the the um, the forgiveness becomes the most attractive quality of it as opposed to the changing of the lifestyle thing, but I do think it's interesting that he said it. One other thing he said. You change, you, you, I quit worrying about me, and I started worrying about what, what it is that I'm supposed to do. You know, like it talks in the Bible about um, about being a servant and, you know, giving up I guess my desire and my will and whatever it is that I that I want to do like I don't know the best way to describe it but it's about it's about trying to use what I have as a tool versus doing what I can in the moment to give what give myself whatever satisfaction that it is I'm trying to get so someone with this mindset to me makes much more sense um, than it did before to be rejecting multi-million dollar offers from companies that are coming to a guy that describes himself at the beginning of the piece of audio I chose to play as someone who's never had a paid gig before the temptation for so many people to have tons and tons of money dropped at your feet. And actually, I will say one other thing, just quickly about the music industry. Oliver Anthony may demonstrate, and we may have already known this, and a lot of people may have already believed this, but there is no need for any mechanism, anything, to get you from zero fame to a whole crap ton of fame if the content of what you're selling is good enough to be attractive to a whole lot of people. I don't know if a part of that popularity is somewhat due to conservative media talking about Oliver Anthony and how much it exploded after the fact, although he's not all that happy that conservative media embraced him the way it did. But it is interesting to think of a guy who's not signed anywhere, not really thinking of himself as someone who's going to perform sold-out shows at any point in his life, uh, but someone who's in it for the music and apparently also uh, in it to um, follow some sort of directive he feels he's being given from the faith that he has. So on that note, I'll take a quick break, a lot more, but I did find it fascinating. And uh, kudos to Joe Rogan. Uh, He and um, uh, um, Tucker Carlson, don't know why I forgot his name for a second, are both also uh, demonstrating time again. And and Rogan's been doing this for years now and making a crap ton of money out of it, that to the same thing holds true. The the, 
a mechanism of delivery is far less important than the quality of the product. And Joe finds a lot of good people to talk to, even people that a lot of mainstream media refuse to have on any sort of version of their conversation. All right, quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100 points. Action starts here. Fourteen seventy, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, so a lot is being talked about with uh, Hurricane Adalia in Florida and uh, the amount of damage that's uh, happening or likely to continue to happen uh, in that area. I think two uh, found dead in Florida as the storm uh, races through um, part of the uh, north ward area, uh, northward area. Um, what I, I think is interesting about a lot of this is even though it feels somewhat um, inappropriate to talk about it because this is not what it's about. It is absolutely about doing everything you can to protect people, uh, to evacuate people, et cetera, et cetera. I feel as though how well Ron DeSantis does in protecting and you know um, responding after the fact to what happens in Florida might wind up being relevant to his political campaign, uh, even if he's not you know, trying to do it for that reason. But apparently the, the response has been massive. And even the federal response in Florida has been massive. And I almost wonder, again, even though I feel like it's not terribly appropriate to discuss it very much, but here I am talking about it, if Biden and the federal government are also responding to this out of some politically motivated reason, not that I, I truly believe that because the last time this happened a year ago, uh, there was a lot of talk about how well DeSantis and Biden uh, coordinated and, and several others coordinated to do the most they could in Florida. The reason it's so relevant to me, though, to discuss it at all, and I, I you know, pray and, and hope that everybody in Florida stays safe, um, but there are questions now about the response in, in Hawaii, the response in Maui, and whether or not it makes sense what was done and why more wasn't done, and actually comparing that to what's going on in Florida. So I have two little pieces of audio. Uh, the first one is the uh, FEMA administrator uh, talking and saying that there is no plan to provide uh, Maui any additional assistance beyond the $700 payments that were provided so far. Uh, and actually, I like the way this question was asked by a reporter the cost of living and everything in the uh, part of Hawaii where we're talking about, you know, the people who are struggling now, I don't think $700 is actually really going to change as much as you guys seem to be claiming it is. Not that writing a whole bunch of much bigger blank checks is, is in fact the solution, but not providing more support in some other way feels like it's something that more and more people there are saying is a problem. The critical needs assistance that was provided to those in Maui, $700 in payments to individuals there, given the cost of living in Hawaii, specifically in the Lahaina community. Is anything being done right now? Are there considerations or efforts being made to try to raise that cap, that $700 figure for those who are there? Yeah, the $700 figure of critical needs assistance is really just that amount of funding for some of the very immediate needs um, that individuals have. Uh, every year, the, the main part of our assistance, which is our individual and household program, adjusts annually based on inflation. This year, it's $41,000 of a cap that individuals can get. Uh, that will get raised after the um, fiscal year. I, I but for right now, that's all we're going to do, 700 bucks, and uh, that's that's all the help we can get. Now, again, I'm not sure that... Uh, blank checks, bigger checks uh, makes as much sense as some other form of federal aid. But there are a lot of complaints. And Peter Ducey, who asked a question that some will think is annoying or snarky in how it's asked, I did ask a question to the White House press secretary that she said was 
terrible and flawed, but it was comparing and contrasting what's going on right now to help Florida and what happened to help Maui. And it is an interesting conversation, no matter how you articulate it, no matter how you ask it. It's a question deserving of an answer, uh, which she did not provide. And it seems like the hurricane response so far is robust. Did you guys realize that the initial Hawaii wildfire response was not that good? Or is it just easier for people to get help from the White House when the president is not on vacation? Okay, so there's the snarky part. It's a funny snarky part, but it's a snarky part. Let's see how she responds. So the premise of your question and the way you posed your question, I disagree. You're a terrible person. Uh, Shut so up. So if you talk to, if you were to do your reporting and speak to the all the people of Hawaii, the senators uh-huh. uh, of Hawaii, ask all the, the people questions. The ground, they love they us. Say that the president reacted in record time. We did a great job. Came to dealing with the wildfires. How dare you say anything other than we did a great job? We did an amazing job. Uh, that's actually not the case. A lot of people are still asking questions. I'll go back to the Biden FEMA administrator and a question she was asked about all those individuals in Hawaii who are leaders politically who are wondering if more aid is coming. Because there's still a lot of questions uh, among officials in Maui and Lahaina and across Hawaii about who was in charge in the hours as the fires burned and then the hours after. You're a veteran local emergency management official, uh, state emergency management official, not the federal level. How do you assess how officials there responded uh, How do you assess the fact that people are asking questions about why it took so long to respond appropriately to the fire? There are lessons to be learned, perhaps, from other communities. And is your agency prepared to work with congressional Republicans if they launch investigations, as they say they will? Um, again, I was not there <laughs> during the response. I was there. So I, don't I would know. Um, be out of line to Tough question. how they responded during the I don't want to talk about that, is essentially what she said there. But uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, in the answer to Peter Ducey, said, how dare you? Everybody in Maui is so happy with us and thrilled with us, and all the work we did was was perfect, even though actually it's from the complaints in Maui that Republican politicians have decided they want to inve- um, launch an investigation. By the way, when Biden was asked about an investigation, he um, stumbled and said, I know this is shocking to everybody, uh, that he would welcome a federal response in Maui as opposed to an investigation in Maui because some people would accuse him of not having much of a federal response in the first place. It's bad luck. It's probably not going to hurt him all that much because, well, he does this all the time, but it's a bad luck nonetheless. All right. You can listen to us anyway on the glo- anywhere on the globe. Just download the WMBD radio app on your smartphone. Uh, Will Stevenson is live and local in the WMBD radio newsroom. Go ahead, Will. Craig, a teenager arrested Monday night at an apartment in Normal just days after Peoria's 17th homicide of the year will be tried as an adult. Peoria County State's Attorney Jody Hoos says she's filed first-degree murder charges against 17-year-old Jared Williams. Williams, whose claims walked right up to 21-year-old Mason Loy and fired shots at him several times Saturday night in the parking lot of Laramie Liquors in South Peoria. Loy was pronounced dead at the scene. While still at the juvenile detention facility, Williams is being held on $1.5 million bond and will be arraigned September 28th. Just in, also in court today, a Washington man will spend the next several years in prison after he opened fire into a car in the warehouse district last year. Court records indicate 32-year-old Billy DeLasso was sentenced today to seven years in prison, with credit for more than 300 days served in jail after he pleaded guilty in April to a count of aggravated discharge of a firearm. 
A count of aggravated unlawful use of a weapon was dismissed in exchange for the plea. The shooting happened October 3rd on Warner Lane. He allegedly fired into a car parked there. He was arrested following a medical evaluation. DeLasso must serve 85% of the sentence before he can be considered for release. Hurricane Adalia made land this morning as a Category 3 storm on the Florida Gulf Coast. Tampa native Mark Hudson, whose wife Nancy is in Peoria with the Monsters High production, tells WMBD's Greg and Danny was prepared for what's coming. For what was coming, we lost power this morning as expected. The water, you know, the streets are full of water here in Tampa because it has nowhere to go. Uh, we're pretty much at sea level, so it's, it sits on us. But we did miss it; it, it skirted past us. Hudson is just north of Tampa in Temple Terrace, Florida, and the highest point of that city. He didn't evacuate. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis declared a state of emergency for at least 30 counties. The storm is now down to Category 1 as it makes its way into Georgia. More at WMBDRadio.com. WMBD News is brought to you by Oberlander Electric. For all your 24-7, 365 electrical needs, including solar power and generators, call or go to OberlanderElectric.com. Trusted name and central list. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Lots of stuff to talk about. Always, always lots of stuff like, to talk about. Never no stuff to talk. How bad would that be if I was like no stuff to talk about? People would just... have to do a double take. <laughs> They're <laughs> so used to that, Craig. Yeah, lots of yeah. I just turn the microphone off and I go home. Nothing today, guys. Uh, see you tomorrow. Um, you're here. We're doing this every Wednesday. You're hanging out with me, uh, chatting about a lot of stuff. We did pre-debate coverage or was it post-debate? Yeah, we did, we did pre. It was the, okay. it was the morning of. I so. can't even remember. Yeah, okay. I can't remember when the. Debate happens. So now we're going to do some post-debate reactions from you, because it's been a week since we've heard from you on this. Do you think that someone won the Republican debate? Well, I think Nikki Haley is probably the vice president in waiting. Gotcha. That's, that's my opinion. She, Even though she she's the one stock. who most attacked Trump. Yeah, but I think... Outside of he, Chris Christie, who is he, literally his platform. Right. I think she. I think he is going to need a woman, and I think that she showed very well that she can, she can hold her own. She's got great foreign policy experience. Sure. I mean, here's the thing that I think that we're going to see a huge turn here. And the thing that shocked me the most was that his approval, you know, his, his numbers went down 7%. That's not that big of a jump. It's a not drop, that though. big, but I for thought, skipping the debate, I feel like it's not that big of a it's drop. It's not, but I thought it would be smaller than that. Sure. And what I think is going to happen is, is he has to remember. Here's the deal: to win the general, you cannot alienate the base at all. The base has got to come out for you, mm-hmm. but then you also have to win the undecideds. We know that. Yeah. I just don't think he can continue on this path of the only time people are seeing him is after an arraignment. Sure. Well, I think that anyone who watched the Tucker Carlson conversation with Trump saw a different president in some ways, or a different guy. They did. I think he was trying to do more mass appeal answers to questions. There were two times, and I played this audio after it happened, where Tucker teed him up for a, are they going to try to murder you, uh, version of a conversation. And both times, uh, Trump's reaction was some semblance of the American people are smart, they're good people, or Democrats are good people, not the politicians, but the voters. It seemed to be someone who's aware, not that I'm saying you can reshape a Donald Trump, but it seems to be someone who's aware that they are trying to reach more of the base, or excuse me, beyond the base at this point. He did a really good job of that. I think here's the thing that I'm hearing rumblings of, and I mean, we've heard it, and we've heard the conspiracy of the fact that that Biden is not going to run. Here's the thing that scares me as we look at Biden. We are seeing the Broadway Joe when he's out there. 
I mean, we're seeing the smoke and mirrors. We're seeing everything done for him, mm-hmm. set up in advance, and this is how bad it is. Yeah, he's. Can he's, you imagine how bad it is behind the scenes? No, I can't. I mean, he, yeah. he'd be like that old guy sitting outside the retirement home in the rocker every day. That when you walk by him, he's talking complete nonsense and he has no clue where he is. Yeah. That's that's what we're portraying to the world right now. Right. That's the current version. Of and where the Democrats, I think, have an advantage is uh-huh. the Republicans are purely going off of everything that Biden is. So if they bring someone in at the last second, it truly changes and shapes it. The undecideds, in my opinion, are focused on one, you know, they, they're focused on neither party. They okay. typically hate politics. They mm-hmm. typically hate politicians. Yeah. They have to come out for a reason to vote. In my opinion, it's a social issue and an economic issue. Okay. that's not, I'm not going to argue any of that with you. I'm going to say that a lot of the polls recently have showed a whole lot of people don't like Biden. I'm talking about Democrats. And 69% yes, of them I don't like him. That. Independents don't like Biden, don't right. think he's good for the country, think he's too old to run. So I don't know that those issues alone can win. I think that you have to have a different name on the Democratic side of the aisle. And as crazy as it sounds, I do believe there are enough people out there right now. I don't think they're changing from a Biden to a Trump vote from 2020 to 2024, but I do think they're changing from a Biden to a throwaway vote or not voting at all, and that plays into Trump's hands because the last time they ran against each other, Trump got a crap ton of votes. People say that he can't appeal to people in this uh, place or in this place. I would assume he would get a very similar response to the 2020 election, and if 2024 winds up going down because people are disenfranchised with Biden and he is the candidate, Trump can win in that scenario. I agree with that. I agree with that. Let's also talk about DJ Rom. <laughs> sure. Let's talk about DJ Rom. I, I was uh, traveling the next day after the debate, and people were talking about it in the airport. I was traveling to Texas, and I met. I talked to some people down in Texas who I had the same assessment of Rom. Used car salesman. That's mm-hmm. what it came across to me mm-hmm. as. Yeah, I liked Ramaswamy. I actually, I actually enjoyed him. I think that there are moments that he had that are different than anyone else on the on the stage and those overpowered the moments where i thought that he was weak or the moments where i thought he was disingenuous i'm not saying that that's someone that i would love to see you know become the candidate uh, but at the same time i i genuinely liked some of the biggest zingers he had that worked i think those work i think he has to have substance now and sure. i think that has to happen i, I think, think he has more substance than people give him credit for okay i think i, I, I think that, that he should have i think he should have known what was coming and that was that as soon as he got off that stage he was going to get sliced and diced by the mainstream media sure. and that's what happened on sunday i think he held his own yeah. i think the big thing is the takeaway was DeSantis seemed way too eager in the beginning. He seemed like that kid that had practiced a speech forever and right. you know, gave it off at the first and time and looked at back. mom. And, yeah, and he fell back. Yeah. The one spot he did well in was connecting on a personal level with the abortion. Sure. That was a really good moment for him. Yeah, or just all the conversations about how he didn't shut down uh, via COVID um, as much as anybody else shut down. I think that's a winning message for Ron DeSantis. Right. And I know he's used it before, but I thought it was one of his better moments in the debate. But I still think that Ramaswamy did much better than some are giving him credit for doing he's young uh he's he's willing to say certain things that not many politicians are willing to say that has worked for other people in the role of being an unknown who's risen has, I, I but i think that, his inexperience, i know he got destroyed by nikki haley no he did and i think yeah. his inexperience is going to be a sticking point for some right. in the party well all right uh we can uh, uh keep going on this if you want to uh, we can talk about some of the other stuff out there in the world let's go just... lighthearted at this point <laughs> no problem man. it's getting heavy yeah no well i i don't know I, I think that both of us have a difference of opinion on a, on a couple of these candidates um but i think we both agree easily on the one thing that none of them are truly threatening trump yet 
No, and I don't think until that stage gets a little less crowded, yeah. that that could that gap could. Um, Actually, you know what? Let me ask you this, because I asked uh, Mark Strauss this yesterday, and I have a $5 bet with him on it now. Will Trump debate a Republican, or will he not appear in any Republican debate? He's going he's gonna to appear. I think he'll appear. He has to. I think he'll want to. He's not going to go to Reagan, because he has the issues with the, the director of the center yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But I do think he is going to eventually. Yeah, I think at some point he'll be on the debate stage against Republicans, He's going not to a be. Democrat. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. That's two for us. Then I can't bet you on that. We can't do a five dollar bet between us. Uh, some other stuff out there that I kind of like. Twenty percent of Americans still answer calls from unknown numbers. Do you do that? I do for sometimes because I'm I'm concerned that it could be something that I really need to know. About. Oh yeah. Or there's people that you uh, communicate with that yeah. maybe you don't have numbers. Exactly. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, I don't do that with phone. I do do it with text. I do text people back um, that are random numbers. And the only thing that I gain out of it is more random numbers texting me. That's the negative of all of it. The thing I have enjoy. You, have you gotten the one that I got one saying uh, my horse is got a broken leg and uh, <laughs> is, how's the horse doing? Have oh, you nice. gotten that one? No, I haven't. No. And then I googled that and I guess that's a common one that people think that you know somebody's gonna, horse got a broken leg yeah that it's a it, it pulls up the heartstrings <laughs> i love that no mine are usually like hey what's up and then i go who dis and then they usually say who it's that's, I, that's how you do it exactly like not that? exactly okay yeah some variation okay. of who dis gotcha. um but no i i ask them who they are and they usually tell me it's like some woman and they met me recently and it never is true i always text back that's not me like they'll make up a name too they'll like be your frank i met you the other day and then my favorite part is the response after I say I'm not that person is, well, what are you up to? Like, that, like in what world would a random stranger who also claims to be an attractive woman send an accidental text to someone they don't know and then be immediately interested in them? And this is the text I get the most. You don't get this at all? I've only gotten the one about the vet and the horse. Okay, I respond to this one all the time. And I've said stuff about how, like, I'm an old lady and they just keep texting. I've said, really? Yeah, I've gone every road. I started to ask for someone to give me Bitcoin before they asked for <laughs> Bitcoin from me. <laughs> that person stopped messaging me. I can imagine why. <laughs> I don't know why. But no, I've gotten like four or five variations of, of a text message that's um, supposed to be an error, and then you say you're not them. Can I mean, you imagine if this was your life, though? Yeah. That you're sending out scam texts. All like, the time? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that I'm making some of those guys laugh. I feel like as they're texting oh, back the, and forth I, with me. I have a friend that will carry on long conversations with them. Yeah. Just keep it going. Yeah. Well, it's there's some part of it that's interesting. But right. on the phone call, no. 20% of people say yes. 27% say it depends. Um, I usually let those go to voice. I get worried. I went to a county fair once, and I signed up for things, you know, to win, you know, a free this, a free that. Sure. My numbers went up after that, so I'm always wondering. I went to a county fair this summer, and I said, hey, if I sign up for this, are someone going to call me yeah, and text gonna me? Share it? Yeah, are you going to share this? And that's what's going to No, 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 we're not going to do Never. that. Never yeah. going to happen. Okay. <laughs> happens all the time. I yeah, trust right. you. Yeah. I want to win the hot tub, though, please. There we go. I do want to win the hot tub. I'll sign up if there's a hot tub. Uh, one other thing out there, I don't know if you know this, uh, apparently putting your blinds up instead of down helps keep your room cooler. Are you aware of really? this? Really? I didn't know that it, one. it bounces the the rays outward instead of letting them so come downward. So are you doing downward. that in the studio? Have you tried that? No, I haven't tried it at all. Okay. I have the windows wide open in here. I open them wide every single day because I don't like to turn the lights on. The yeah, guys not, in the I, I don't cannot do the stand the the the, the noise. Artifice. No, yeah. yes. Is it the noise of it, or is it the the color of the fluorescent it's the, lights? It's the color. It gives me okay. migraines. It's a little bit of both for me, man. I don't know what it is. I don't like it. All right, one last thing. Let's do this too. A European airline is going to launch an adults-only section of a plane, not a dirty version, not anyone that thinks it's Mile High Club related. This is the Turkish Dutch airline that just wants to have fifty dollars extra. For seats that will have no babies crying at any point during the flight. You're still in a plane, so is it going to be 
totally buried or you know have a barrier with soundproofing? Is that how yeah, this works? Yeah, I don't see any of that written in there. No, I don't know. I mean, you're still in a plane. You're still in a tube with There's these still going to be a baby at some other. There's point? still going to be a baby at okay. some point. How can you? How can you? Guarantee yeah, you'd that. have to do the full. I mean, that's like only... the that's like the first class where you get a curtain. Like, oh, oh, great! I have a curtain between me. Ooh, now no one will ever see me. No, everything's totally yes. different. Okay, so you say it's got to be an adults-only plane. That sounds very mile high. That, it that sounds terrible, be. and I don't even want to talk about that or think about that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> well, it's out there at least in the world a little bit. Uh, the ten, eleven-hour flights that typically happen between Amsterdam and uh, other places. Um, that they fly from. Now, I guess. if they gave them in the adults-only plane a full-size toilet, like a, a bathroom, <laughs> I would feel better about that. I mean, yeah. I, w- I was recently on a flight to Texas, mm-hmm. and I swear the bathroom is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I think it is. I think they're actually admitting that, that it's getting smaller and smaller. Which is scary. Yeah, I know, because it doesn't seem like it can get much well, smaller. Well, I'm always afraid to hit the flush button. Yeah. Are you afraid of that? A little bit, because I'll get sucked out. Yes, uh-huh. yes, <laughs> I, yes, I agree, and I'm going to turn blue as I get sucked out. Yeah, probably. That's some version They're going to be like, hey, look, there's a Smurf going through the air. Yeah, I think the only thing they could possibly do to make it smaller is somehow make all of us go to the restroom without sitting down. Somehow there's a version where it's like stand up only. I don't want to talk about this. Okay, yeah, we're going on a different <laughs> tangent here. I don't. I, I don't. I like know the, the immediate problem you thought of with the idea I just yes. threw out there. Yes. I think the airlines one day will solve it, much to our detriment. And that's it. That's the segment. Thank you, Dan Lloyd, for <laughs> Thanks, hanging Greg. out, being a part of the show. <laughs> Always I, great. I bet you're thrilled to be here for these topics. Uh, quick break. Oh, actually, before I let you go, uh, a buddy of ours is coming up later on today in the show. Daggerheart is going to be here. Do you want to stay tuned, people? Stay do you want to tease the audience for what to expect from Daggerheart? Daggerheart is an amazing storyteller. He is. He is. And Most of those stories cannot be told on the radio. Craig is going to have to have the dump button ready. <laughs> Let's yep. just say that. It's coming up in a couple hours. Uh, Dan Lloyd, thanks as always for hanging thanks, out. Thanks, Craig. Quick break. A lot more. Fourteen seven five seven twenty eight equal housing lender. Fourteen seventy, one hundred 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Um, one guy on social media is being called a legend today for something that I definitely would not recommend you or anyone else do. Uh, but there's a bunch of videos out there, uh, a bunch of different reactions. And actually, even a guy who was reporting, I think this was CNN, about Hurricane Adelia and all the stuff going on. And there's a dude, actually, there's two guys at the point of the appearance on national television. I think some of the other videos are just one guy by himself. He has an oar, and he's rowing himself on an inflatable duck. This is a real thing. They try to talk to these guys, and the guys don't talk back. They just sort of laugh and keep going by, although I'm pretty sure they did try to get behind the camera on purpose. Uh, But the dude just took an inflatable duck out, uh, took his buddy out, and they were um, going around on some of the streets in Tampa. All right, Sarah, so... uh we're going to step away from this, uh, this, the, 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 the seriousness of this storm for just one second. You've got to bear with me because this is something you don't see every day. Guys, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> Literally, we are, this is a very new way to beat rush hour traffic on Bayshore Boulevard. <laughs> Ride a rubber duck or an inflatable duck. are kayaking down this major thoroughfare, Tampa over my shoulder here. I mean, look at that. I don't want to minimize the serious nature of the storm, but this is what people are dealing with in Tampa as we speak. Uh, That's hilarious that all he said was, look at that. He didn't have enough words to describe it. I know he's on television, so he doesn't have to, and we do here on the radio. But again, he's on an inflatable, camouflage-colored duck, and he's got a buddy with him, and they're they're just going past. And I love that the end of that report is the CNN version, the serious version, like, look what they have to deal with here. 
This guy doesn't have to do this. He should not be doing this. He should be at home doing anything other than this. But yet, that's the world we live in. Uh, that's where we are. Uh, some other things out there, and granted, all of these probably could have been uh, good story, bad story material for the bad story version. But I do think this is funny. So I guess today, officially, the late-night hosts have launched a podcast. And they're saying that anything that they make off the podcast will be donated to everybody in the world of the, the writer's strike and now the the actor's strike in Hollywood. Um, it's amusing to me because a lot of people make fun of someone who transitions from whatever gig they have to be someone who launches a podcast. They don't all succeed. It's a tough business, tough racket to rise to the top. Uh, so I find it funny that they're all going to do this podcast from their respective basements. But I'll play a little bit of the audio in which they jokingly introduce each other. It sounds bad just from if this is a teaser. Usually with the, the world of pre-recorded things, you can find the best moment and turn that into a teaser. If this was their best moment, they might be more worried than uh, they any of them appear to be, or at least they should be more worried than they appear to be. One more time, Jimmy. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fallon. I'm oh, Stephen I Colbert. Thought, I'm Jimmy Kimmel. I thought when you said Jimmy, you meant me, Jimmy, but you meant Jimmy, Jimmy. I always you, mean you. But when you I say always Seth, mean- Seth Meyers, who do you mean? I mean, John Oliver. It's the five of us together for uh, maybe an hour a, a day. Maybe. Strike Force 5 is the name of our podcast. Subscribe to it. Complete now. with a crazy explosion sound. Now. Spotify or wherever else, wherever you get your stuff. Yeah, we're going to do a wacky morning show version of a podcast and hope for the best here and then donate everything uh, to charity. I don't know why I find that so funny, although I will uh, say this just quickly about that. And then I'm going to move on to one other thing uh, that probably also should have been uh, a bad. Maybe I'll save it. I'll save the other thing as a bad story for good story, bad story, because it's pretty bad. I'm pretty funny, too, actually. Um, But I don't think that the writer's strike and the actor's strike is going as well as they wanted to go and i am not remotely surprised by that and i sort of wonder if you are Uh, the reason why is it's so easy to replace brand new movies television in society now than it ever was before Uh, the other night my wife was asking me to pick a new show find a new show for us and i know my wife well enough and i suggested a show that i don't i've never seen much of it i'm not sure that i'll be invested very heavily in it but i suggested gray's anatomy we watched the first few episodes of season one, and Betty's in. She's like, this is great. We'll watch this every night or, or every time we want to sit down and watch TV. And that's all it takes to not care that the Hollywood writers or the actors are on strike. And without us demanding new content, and I know the companies need to make money. I'm aware of that. And they're going to try to make new things at some point. But the amount of time that they can wait without the consumer noticing and adding pressure to this conversation is so different now than it's ever been before that the writers and the actors are more likely than I think they, they would have been any time in the past before all the streaming services existed um, at being weighted out and eventually giving in on whatever their demands are, uh, because this has been going on a long time. And you probably even even you probably even haven't even really noticed. Sorry about that, uh, that this is going on. You, you probably don't even care all that much, to be honest, the vast majority of people don't, unless you care for some reason that has to do with with believing one side is is right and one side is wrong. Like unless you care about some issue in there for the actors, I don't think a lot of people uh, right now miss the new content. Uh, and especially in the world of, say, movie releases, 
that, that hasn't even been an issue yet because we're still having new movies released. They still have things that are created. So even in that world, the only world where I think people do still go to something that is new uh, and not something that is necessarily an on-demand thing you can pick at home, uh, that world will probably, and it's been shrinking anyway. Less and less people go to movies uh, than used to. Uh, the pandemic or whatever you want to say is a problem there. But I do. I just genuinely think that however long SAG-AFTRA or anyone else uh, chooses to strike, that at the end of the day, they probably won't get anything close to what they're hoping for. And I imagine the longer you go on strike, the hardened, the more hardened you become. And yet still, I think that you can wait people out because the everyday consumer just doesn't care. Uh, unless, tell me I'm wrong, 309-340-4464. Anyone out there that cares, let me know, 309-340-4464. AM radio, it's 1470. FM, it's 100.3. All over the internet, too. WMBDradio.com is the place to check us out there. Uh, live in local. 24 in Washington. Fourteen seventy. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about, as I always say. And yet one of the bigger conversations to me right now, and it, it feels uh, weird, and I'm going to keep saying it feels weird uh, to talk about it this way, but is uh, the hurricane and how DeSantis is responding to it in Florida. And I thought one of the more interesting moments was when Ron DeSantis was asked to make comment about um, Donald Trump. Uh, he was asked if the silence from Donald Trump on the hurricane was somehow relevant to something, anything, whatever, and that it doesn't make sense to go those roads. You don't have to uh, care right now. I'm not saying that Trump isn't important or that he even should have been saying stuff that he, he wasn't saying, but I thought it was interesting that you avoided the question entirely, uh, and I'm sure a, a part of it, this is weird to say too, is because DeSantis hasn't attacked Trump much at all in general, and I think that he might be aware or has noticed that that's not really that great for him as a politician. Uh, but the fact that that he was asked by someone to go that road uh, demonstrates what I, I think I've been saying. There is somehow, some way, and it, it's not shocking. I shouldn't act so naive about it, but a political uh, aspect of what's happening with how DeSantis handles the hurricane in Florida. It, it will have relevance, at least somewhat, and, and maybe only temporary in the world of how people view him and think about him as a potential next president. I don't think it'll actually still move the change, change anybody's opinion. I think Trump is still the inevitable nominee, uh, but it's just, it's something to consider. Uh, also, there is uh, audio of Trump warning looters uh, because they're apparently already uh, looting and things have happened there. Uh, but warning them that you better not do this or else you're going to face a pretty swift punishment. Here we go. Told all of our personnel at the state level, you know, you, you protect people's property and, and we are not going to tolerate any looting in the aftermath of a natural disaster. I mean, it's just ridiculous that you would try to do something like that on the heels of an almost category four hurricane hitting this community. I'd also just remind potential looters that people, you never know what you're walking into. People have a right to defend their property. Uh, this part of Florida, you got a lot of advocates and some proponents of the second amendment. And I've seen signs in different people's yards in the past after these disasters. And I would say it's probably here. You loot, we shoot. You never know what's behind that door. 
people are upset with him saying, you loot, we shoot. And yet it is certainly a, a law and a right in Florida. Defend yourself, uh, stand your ground, all that stuff. And so if someone were breaking into someone else's house, the odds of someone being armed are something that I think is interesting. Uh, to actually uh, back up even further uh, what I'm saying about the potential for this to be politically relevant to uh, Ron DeSantis's uh, presidential campaign is his war room on Twitter. The DeSantis war room has been putting out general conversation about how quickly uh, things are being addressed or reacted to uh, there, including this CBS News report about how almost immediately responders were in an area where Hurricane uh, Adalia was. The governor brings up a really good point. Here in Florida, what they do well is respond because they're so used to responding to these storms. So almost immediately in the Perry, Florida area where the storm made landfall, we heard that they had crews in uh, checking on people, first responders into the area. So the response is pretty quick. The response is very, very quick. And yes, you can easily say that that's partly because of how conditioned someone living in Florida would be to all this. I actually have a lot of family uh, that lives in Florida. I think I've mentioned them before. I was texting with my family. They're they're okay. Most of them are in Tampa. But I loved a text I got from one of my cousins, uh, my cousin Michael, who's actually uh, popped up on the show before. He said just a, a, a typical end of summer in Florida, flooding, trees down, a lot of craziness. Um, and actually, I asked him if he knows the um, the uh, inflatable duck guy, and he says not yet, but he hopes to know him soon. And I wouldn't put that past Mike. I think that he'll figure that out and he'll meet the guy. Um, but that's what's going on there. And if you don't know uh, that reference, I'll probably play that audio later on in the show. But there was a dude in Florida riding an inflatable uh, duck and uh, had a friend with him, actually, by the time he was on TV. Uh, but I guess he was riding around throughout parts of Tampa. All right. I, I want to play this. Uh, this is audio from Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, about everything that the administration will be doing uh, with the community uh, before it even started. Uh, this is something that, again, to me, and I don't mean to harp on this, feels like even the the White House is seeing political relevance in how they act. Not that they acted differently last year when this happened in Florida. All the same things were said. It just seems as though bringing it up yourself and discussing it yourself, it's there's a more proactive aspect to it. Uh, this is an administration that will be with this community uh, from before before it started, as you all know, from what you heard from the president earlier this week and also the, administra the administrator after it hits. And we will be there until they are able to rebuild. It's not um, um, completely lost on people that for a uh, lot of time, uh, Florida has been a bit of a battleground state. You think that with DeSantis's dominance that it would be uh, a state that's more easily going to be won by a Republican in the upcoming election. But it, it's a curiosity nonetheless to think about whether or not any of that, any of the response itself is somehow tied to uh, these things. Um, I want to play different audio. This is audio of the president. Uh, after Biden talked about Mitch McConnell, a reporter asked him, do you think he's fit to serve and should run for re-election? In which Biden then turned around and asked Alejandro Mayorkas, a guy that he couldn't remember the name of yesterday, when he said, that guy, that dude who took that thing he's in charge of. Good job on this dude. Uh, if he was going to run. By the way, I, uh, I, I just heard literally coming out. And uh, Mitch is a friend, as you know, not a joke. We, we always I know people don't believe that the case. No, they kind of do, actually. Disagreements politically, but he's a good friend. And so I'm going to try to get in touch with him uh, later this afternoon. I don't know enough to know. Do think he's Thank you. Thank you. Sir, and should run for the election? Are you running? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is very awkward, that moment. Are you running? And uh, Mayorkas is like, uh, no, I'm, I'm not, sir. Okay, let's get out of here. Uh, let's move on. I don't know if he got confused in that moment or what the exact joke was, uh, but there we are. That's where the world is right now. Um, and if you don't know that, uh, to revisit the topic, uh, Mitch McConnell did freeze again today. I can play the audio. Uh, I played it earlier in the show. But the thing that's so jarring about this with McConnell is not just that it's the second time, but that it appears as though, and I know a lot of people are, are predicting it's a stroke. Uh, stroke probably makes the most sense, especially a, a mini stroke where you kind of freeze up and you don't actually uh, have the totality of the experience that someone's having who, you know, winds up uh, with a heart attack in the hospital. And yet um, whatever is going on medically, whatever it is, um, it it seems to be something that is likely to continue and easily this is the the blandest take you can have on this but easily a reason why he would consider not remaining a politician here we go what are my thoughts about what running for re-election in 2026 oh. you can hear him say what are my thoughts about what by the way what are my thoughts about what running for re-election in 2026 oh. that's right so it seems like he starts to answer the question. Uh, he's smiling a little bit as he's receiving the question, and now he's looking forward. His mouth is slightly open. It's going to um, pucker closed, and his lips are going to just kind of be like, you know, you uh, closed the way you're tightly to the face. He's asked questions. He stands there without speaking. He doesn't answer that question right, at all. Sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. She says we're going to need a minute, but they don't walk away, by the way. I think he ha he said no. If we listen very closely, I think someone asked, do you want to step outside? <clears throat> okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. By the way, that didn't end it. He eventually was uh, walked out of there, but he said, okay. And then uh, somebody else asked another question. It's, it's a scary moment. And honestly, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, uh, you don't want people to be in harm's way themselves. And you don't want them to be doing jobs that they're not capable of doing uh, for their own safety. And so it seems like we're getting to that place uh, rapidly with uh, Senator Mitch McConnell. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470. 100 point. Go to lifelock.com. Fourteen seventy, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Here's a topic I didn't think I'd talk about a lot, and I'm now talking about, I think, for the second day in a row, vasectomies on my show. There's a brand new story out there in the New York Post about a woman that is trying to popularize getting vasectomies because she only wants to date men who've gotten them. She lives in Canada, so no, she's not someone that's tied to any sort of thing you can claim is, is politically motivating her to ask. She said she even calls people who get this procedure vasectomy. Um, I don't even know what to say, but she started doing this in October of 2020. Uh, she made a personal vow that she put on social media and went viral. And uh, it actually has, uh, the belief is, caused a lot of conversation on social media of young people about this specific procedure. And actually, in the New York Post article, there is also a quote from one doctor that said the amount of, of young men that are re requesting this procedure skyrocketed by 500 percent. This is in Midtown in New York City, uh, which is still 100 percent allowed 
to have an abortion of any kind. So some of that rhetoric out there about saying that these increases are solely tied to the overturning of Roe versus Wade seem to be easily disproven by every part of this narrative, including a 500 percent increase in demand at one urologist uh, in uh, Midtown Manhattan for this procedure. The University of Chicago said they found the same thing out of places in Illinois, which, again, is very much not on the list of places that have changed any of their rule after the overturning of Roe versus Wade. One other thing that I found funny, I'll move on from this. I just found it amusing, is uh, yesterday I mentioned a little bit about someone that was texting the show very upset with me and something I said about how I don't think that the two are tied together, the Roe versus Wade thing and an increase in vasectomies. I think it's more of a, uh, a media narrative or even a political narrative. And I was just curious if we've had any other of those recently. And I found an article from January that said that the reason that this there's a huge uptick in this for young people is fears about climate change. I loved I read the whole article. I think it was in uh, uh, the Daily Mail or something. I can't remember where it was. That might be a tabloid. But I, I think it's a few other places where that was the other attempt to make this into something that it seems like it's definitely not. It's just young people that are uh, trying to remove a, a stigma or whatever might exist here in very strange ways. I can't imagine an influencer uh, doing this in 2020 in Canada and saying, I'm sorry, but that's going to come up on a first date. And if you're not if you're not snipped, we're not going to be dating. Uh, although apparently, as the article goes on to say, uh, many men uh, willing to go that road. All right. Other stuff out there. Moving on. I never intended to talk about that as much as I have. Uh, but darn it. The new topic today made me go back. A beer guy is no longer an honest excuse for a drunken hookup, according to science. The phenomenon, when someone appears much more attractive to a person who's drunk, has been chalked up to beer goggles. What I like so much about what I've said so far is the idea that someone somewhere is like, we got to study this. We got to throw scientific dollars behind whether or not people are in fact in, impacted in a way by alcohol, that they do see someone who's more attractive than the person that's really there. Uh, conventional wisdom would suggest that alcohol leads people to perceive others as more attractive. Uh, that was according to a Stanford University professor who was a part of this study. The research did, however, find that there's a spike in some other uh, forms of confidence, but not in the perception of how attractive someone is. Uh, people who were intoxicated uh, in the study were as likely as people who were not to identify um, individuals who were attractive individuals. By the way, this is a study I would have had fun doing. If you show up at some sort of you know, facility somewhere, somebody at Stanford's like, we're going to do shots. And you're then going to tell me uh, if these pictures are attractive or not. And I'd be like, is it, this is science? We're sure this is science right now? And they'd be like, yeah, it's fine. You're going to get your 50 bucks at the end. Please, sir, have some of these beverages. And I'd be like, yeah, this is fine. I don't know why people complain about this stuff. But it's out there. It's in the world now. So anyone who's claimed it, anyone who's ever said, man, that was all the beer goggles, uh, is not telling the truth, at least now, officially, according to science. I'm sure people won't care, and they'll probably still uh, say whatever. And there might even be a study that comes out in the near future that totally disproves this one because we get that sort of thing literally all the time in the world of science. All right, I, I wanted to touch on some... This is an awkward segment, so let's let's trailblaze. Let's make it more awkward a little bit. Uh, there is a list of <laughs> 10 Reddit... Um, uh, 10 uh, different scenarios on Reddit that were voted as the Mythbusters did a goggle episode as well. I just got a text from somebody. Uh, did they find, you got to text me again, uh, texter. Did they find that the uh, beer goggles was a thing or not a thing? You got to tell me, oh man, I got multiple texts. Mythbusters did a beer goggles. People tell me what they found. All you're telling me is that they did the, I didn't see that Mythbusters. Was it real or not real? So this has been over before, before science got to it. 
please, someone give me more information. Uh, but to go to this other thing that's also awkward, but I find amusing, uh, nothing, uh, not a thing, if I remember correctly. Thank you, sir, for that. Um, it's a list of the 10 most awkward experiences people had, and these ones all rose to the top. Uh, well, in a restroom, and this is guys in a restroom. I'm not going to tell you all of them because some of them are probably stuff we don't want to talk about on the radio, but some of them are pretty funny. My favorite one is the one that was voted the second most awkward urinal experience, uh, which feels like a, a uh, book at some point that's written and, and you leave it in a bathroom somewhere. But it's a guy that said his drunk buddy kept yelling out while the two of them were going to the restroom, shut up, John Mayer. <laughs> I love this already. Just kept yelling that. And the guy didn't think much of it. He told his buddy to quiet down a little bit, like what was going on. And then this uh, first person turned around, went up to the sink, and saw, in fact, the famous singer John Mayer was in the bathroom with them, washing his hands. He said he profusely apologized to John Mayer for his friend yelling, shut up, John Mayer. I can picture that exactly happening. I can even picture friends of mine being the dude screaming, shut up, John Mayer. And that would have been awesome. I feel like even the celebrity would kind of laugh that off at some point, because you're not getting physical, you're just yelling from afar. Another one out here that I thought was kind of interesting, a guy uh, that works in IT said a coworker walked in uh, when he was in there and started, you know, going as well, I guess is the way to say it, and then tried to have a conversation about a tech problem at work that he was having, because he's not in IT, but the other guy's in IT, and he's like, you know, man, my email's not working. I hate that. I hate anyone who tries to have any semblance of conversation in that room during that moment doesn't need to happen. We can wait. We can do it anywhere else. I don't want to talk for very long while doing that. Uh, another one that I saw out there is a, a person that said that uh, um, a guy uh, talked to him about trying to finish um, the, the thing you have to do in there because a fight was breaking out in the bathroom. He and his friends were, I guess, getting in some kind of fight. Fists were being thrown, and there's one person still not completing the task that you've been assigned. I can't imagine the pressure of that situation, too, by the way, of wanting something to end so that you can defend yourself in another way. That's got to be extreme, almost as extreme as seeing John Mayer in the room. But yes, this is an actual segment I decided to do on the radio because I found it. I find here's what I'll say about it. I find it so funny that especially younger generations, mine and Gen Z, are so willing to out themselves for embarrassing things they've done or other people have done on the Internet for almost no reason. Take photos of things, uh, put out stories about stuff, ask questions. It is a unique world in which people are with their own name and probably sometimes even video uh, willing to be embarrassed uh, themselves without anyone asking them to do it. I don't think that we have a lot of other generations that live by that same code of, well, if I get enough clicks, it's probably worth it. Uh, but all right, we'll take a break. We'll do a lot more in a bit, uh, but we'll uh, move off to news in just a second. This is The Craig Collins Show. If you don't have a radio handy, uh, just tell your smart speaker to play WMBD Radio or stream it at WMBDRadio.com and hear Will Stevenson live and local in our WMBD Radio newsroom. As the saying goes, Craig, there is no such thing as bad publicity. Apparently not. Just take it from a newsman. <laughs> but I digress. A teenager arrested Monday night at an apartment in Normal just was arrested rather Monday night 
in Normal, just days after Peoria's 17th homicide of the year, will be tried as an adult. Peoria County State's Attorney Jody Hoos says she's filed first-degree murder charges against 17-year-old Jared Williams. Williams, Hoos claims, walked right up to 21-year-old Mason Loy and fired shots at him several times Saturday night in the parking lot of Laramie Liquors in South Peoria. Loy was pronounced dead at the scene. While still at the juvenile detention facility, Williams is being held on $1.5 million bond and will be arraigned September 28th. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell froze in front of reporters again today. It happened in Covington, Kentucky, McConnell's home state. He was taking questions from reporters at a Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce event. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. And then silence for several seconds. A woman standing nearby asked him if he heard the question, then announced, we're going to need a minute. He did go on to answer more questions, but not about re-election. McConnell had a similar episode in late July when he froze at a news conference on Capitol Hill. He went back to his office and then returned to answer more questions. Fox's Jill Nato. More at WMBDRadio.com. Hurricane Adalia made landfall on the Florida Gulf Coast this morning as a Category 3 storm. It's now making its way across Georgia as a Cat 1. Tampa native Mark Hudson, whose wife Nancy is in Peoria with the production of Monsters High, says he's lived through many hurricanes. Hudson tells WMBD's Greg and Dan he didn't have to evacuate because of Adalia. He lives in Temple Terrace, just north of Tampa, Florida, where the flooding won't be catastrophic like on the coast. We'll just have water in the streets, a lot of downed limbs. Okay. Like I said, electricity is gone. It's uh, the peninsula that Tampa sits out on, out in the bay. Uh, it's notorious for flooding because the water doesn't want to go. I mean, Tampa's right on, <clears throat> on, on the bay. Residents in 30 Florida counties along the coast were evacuated ahead of Adalia's landfall this morning. More on that as well at WMBDRadio.com. WMBD News is brought to you by the Whistler Agency. Without good balance, your nest egg can take a tumble as your portfolio headed for a fall. Retirement planner Tim Whistler can help at 2910491 and the Whistler. 24 in Washington. WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. I now think this has to be an intro every time I have my wife Betty on the show for her Spanish word of the day uh, because you were just dancing to Snoop Dogg a second ago, weren't you, Betty? I I love Snoop Dogg. Do you love Snoopy Dogg? You call him Snoopy Dogg. (laughs) I do. You love Snoopy Dogg because you think he's crazy. Yes, he is. Do you actually listen to a lot of his music? Not really, no. no, He's just a goofy guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love so much about you, Betty. You're like, I love Snoopy Dog. Not because of his music, just because this man is someone who makes you laugh. He seems like a very happy guy. Well, yes, because of, I think, some things. I think there's some things he's doing that makes him (laughs) very happy. Actually, did you hear, um, I I can start here. I didn't plan to start here. At the U.S. Open, which is held in New York City, um, they're complaining that there's a pot smell at some of the open courts where people are playing tennis for the U.S. Open. Uh, one guy even said it smells like Snoop Dogg's living room. <laughs> at the, at the, and this, I guess, is just because a whole lot of New York smells kind of crazy and terrible because of the amount of pot being smoked in there. Is pot legal in uh, Yes, New pot York? is legal in New York, right. yeah. So they're smoking it outside at the U.S. Open, and people are complaining. I, don't, I haven't seen Snoop Dogg there yet. I assume he's going soon. Well, my only worry, I always tell you that my only worry is like when kids, little kids are around. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know it is legal, but... Secondhand uh, pot smoking seems bad. 
Yes, it's yeah. kind of like the same idea with smoker. Yes. People who smoke. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right, some other things out there just quickly. I, I thought that was funny for sure. Uh, but I want to ask you about this because we have a difference of opinion on, on some stuff. We, we do things a little differently. Is that right? Would you agree with that, Betty? A hundred percent. Okay, and who's right and who's wrong when we do stuff different? Um, I'm mostly <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that you say that. So um, someone said you should get to the airport uh, early, uh, very early. Oh, my God, yes. This person's a flight attendant. Uh, they said that the biggest reason you should get to the airport very early, like a couple hours before your flight at least, yeah, uh, which is something you love to oh do. Oh, my God. It's not like I love. I li- literally like uh, one plane left me behind. That was in Mexico. I, I wasn't with yes, you. Yes. You, you were not. I've never had you miss a plane when you're with me. Never, well, it's never happened. Well, you only miss well, one in Mexico. the thing is, like, it's because, like, I had experience. I can tell you, like, it is awful. Yeah. Like, the next day to wait awful. for, yeah. like, uh, you're going to, they're going to relocate you in another mm-hmm. plane mm-hmm. or what is going to be ne- the next day, you don't know, and then you have to return to work. And this is all the stuff trouble. you say to me when you tell me we got to get to the airport two hours early. Yes. You put your hands in the air just like you did, and you say, we're and not, we don't want to get stuck. Yes. <laughs> I rather prefer to uh, take a nap waiting uh-huh. for At the, the airport. Yes. You also like to get everywhere kind of early and like relax before something yep, starts. You yeah. get here half an hour before your shift yes, starts Yes, I prepare day. my coffee like very slow <laughs> and like have my... Uh-huh. Sweet time in the morning, and then, yeah. The biggest reason that a flight attendant said you should do this is this how you get uh, the most upgrades. Uh, if they have, like, an overloaded flight and there's some open seat in first class or something, that if you show up early enough, you're the most likely person to be bumped up to first class or have any of those other kind of benefits that are rare happen for you. So showing up really early to the airport is a good move for, you know, the ease of things plus pen- potentially some luckier things to happen. Does that yeah, make see? you feel? You see, okay, yeah, you feel yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think uh, there is a lot of like benefits to be uh, an early bird. Like, sure. Uh, I mean, you less stress less, I guess. Here's what I like being though for me, and I know this drives you crazy. I like being exactly on time. Oh my god! There's something that yeah. feels so good about yes. it, like walking in exactly when I you're know, supposed I to, going through the things exactly at the right time, showing up the gate as people are boarding. To me, that feels like I got a 100 on a test. Like and anything, a, adrenaline is always like on the top. That's not. You? I'm not. I always. Mine, yes. I know. When, whenever I know. you do we that, don't do, yeah. we don't do it that way. I show up early, but not as early as you want. Sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. Hey, come on. When you flew to Mexico, I took you there like an hour early <laughs> yes. to the uh, Peoria airport. Yes, because I asked you, and I'm being waiting for oh you my God, at 5 a.m. Yes. I need to. You're like, getting mad at me. Yes. And by the way, the Peoria airport, it's so easy to get in and out of yes, that you is. had a bunch Actually, of Actually, yeah, you are right, yeah. Okay, oh, what? Well, yeah, you are right. That was the, great. Here in the airport, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's pretty smooth, smooth it's right. pretty tranquil. Yes. Yeah, we don't have any issues. Yeah, the Mexico and, airport, way harder. Yeah, it's way harder. It's, it's way more challenging. Bigger, yeah. And that was during COVID, too, when you were flying, that yeah. I think you had the problem. Okay, uh, not my fault. <laughs> no, okay. Okay, good. All right, I want to say that. <laughs> you can breathe now. All right, uh, one other thing that I saw out there, and I thought this was kind of funny because it reminded me of something you do a lot in Mexico. So a woman put up a joke sign throughout a neighborhood calling a cat a a con artist. Uh, The cat's name is Dynamo, I guess. Uh, The person has been feeding this cat outside of their backyard because he's just been randomly showing up there. Like got food, put out, you know, water, all kinds of things. And then found out that the cat is owned by somebody down the block and had access to food and water and was just showing up for extras. (laughs) And so she wrote a whole note about how Dynamo has been lying to her for years uh, and is a con artist who's asking for food she doesn't need. The only reason I, I thought to bring this up with you, other than I think it's silly, is you love to put a little tiny bit of milk out 
yeah. in Mexico yeah. for the stray cats that are all mm-hmm. over the place there, your mom uh, feels a little bit like you do this too much, she right? She always collect the bones, uh, the chicken bones for the cats, like a And leave them cats. out? Leaving them out, But yeah. she hates that you give the milk. She thinks that that's too premium yeah, of a thing. Yeah, yeah. She's like, what are you doing? Like, we, we don't throw the milk. <laughs> right. like, I was like, but it's for the cats. It's still, like, it's a good milk. Mm-hmm. You should not Yeah, you should not do that for them at all. Yeah. But you love to do that. You love to set that out. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Right. Well, the funny thing, that now that you mention it, my nie- my nieces, uh, the youngest, they got, like, a present, a, a dog, a puppy. Yep, they got a puppy. And, uh, well, now it's not a puppy. It's, like, six or eight months old. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that dog literally goes to the neighbors, and they... Thanks for food. The neighbors have, like, a dog tied on a tree, and the dog goes... Or dog, I mean, my niece's dogs, the, the dog goes and uh, take the plate for the dog. On the tree. Oh, that's on the horrible. tree and yeah. bring it to the house and eat the whole and food, food there. from the neighbor's dog. Wow. Stuff. And how yes. are they getting her to stop doing that? I don't know. I asked my mom, I was like, is he still uh, like doing that? That dog needs to behave. Like, yes, needs to stop stealing from others. Yeah. So little stealer. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, and that dog by the name, uh, by the way, is named the same name as the our same, dog. Yes. A manches yes. is what they call it's a it. Lot their dog. Like, uh, dots, a lot like dots. Which red, means spot. Mancha means spot. It's a That's white not the dot. word of the day. Yeah. No. Right. Okay. Uh, one last one actually for you, Betty. I have one more if you All don't right. mind. Uh, police had to call in special backup when five million angry bees were spilled from a truck on a highway. Five million. This happened in Canada. I think it happened just the other day. Five million. And they're angry when they spill out of a truck, I guess. So you had to get the special equipment, the, the bee costumes and everything, yeah. and eventually go in and respond to the whole situation. Um, this is intense. I'm not a fan of bees. I'm not a fan I of... I know. I'm scared about are bees. You? When they're all together. In the, yeah. They swarm. They seem intense. They are intense. They, yeah. kill people. they can kill people easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I've, I've said this in the show before, and you always worry that I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but our neighbor has bees in the backyard, <laughs> yes. and I'm not a huge fan of the bees in the backyard, but yes, they're right to do yeah, it. They're they're like, I'm not scared. But there was one time where I was outside with our dog, and the bees turned into a tornado. They're yes. like full bee tornado. <laughs> you and they were flying over us. So we ran inside. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> that. that seemed like a very scary moment. I didn't know they could coordinate that well. And so five million bees get yeah, them off the amazing. highway. They're a huge team. And when they're ready yes. to attack, they go. <laughs> they're they're they, a huge yes, team. Yes. That's a great huge way to team. say it. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, it's time for that uh, word of the day, Betty. Oh, and actually, before we do that, we should say hi to the two people. Yes, Craig. Why you always forget about stuff? <laughs> we met a few people uh, yesterday <laughs> at the VFW Peoria Heights. Uh, we swung in a little bit late to grab tacos, and then two women who described themselves to me as something I can't say completely on the radio, but two crazy B words that wanted to come try the tacos because we talked about them. You talk about, or I talk about how much you liked them on the air on the show. So they came in for the first time last night to the VFW. Do you want to say hi to both of them? Yes. uh, Tammy? To... I thought it was Tina and Jenny. Oh yes, yes, Tina and Jenny. That's yeah, what I thought. yeah. Yes. I was like, okay, my my brain is not like working as <laughs> you usual. were rehearsing it all night in the drive I home. Know. Like Tina and Jenny, Tina and Jenny, Tina, yes. Tina, Tina. Like Tina hi. You hugged uh, them both. It was yes. a very nice moment. Yes, yeah. yes. It was pretty like um, nice. They realized that we were there. They mm-hmm. recognized our voices, and it's just they recognize like, your voice first always. It's just very like uh, overwhelming, and I'm so grateful for listening every time we meet to listeners. Listen to, to it's you, cool, okay. yeah, and to come out and try out the tacos at the VFW, which yeah, are great. They were good yesterday. Yes, you really well, enjoyed them. Usually pretty good, but... <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, on that note, now that we've done that, what is the word of the day today, Betty? Huracan. Huracan is the word of the day. Huracan. Huracan. Yes. I'm getting it right. What does that mean? Huracan. Why do you make me do it again? 
I think I did it right. I want to stop what I do it right. I don't want to keep going. Try it one more time, Craig. You can do it. Oracon. Huracan. I think I'm nailing it. Oh, what does that word mean? Hurricane. Oh, it means hurricane. Uh, so you're thinking about that today yes, in Florida yes. and all of my family that's oh, out there in yeah. Florida? Praying for all the people that, did you that see, are out there. Yeah. Did you see the guy? Did I show you yet the guy on the, the inflatable duck? On, I hear you on the radio talking yeah. about this guy. I haven't seen him. Yeah, he's he's with a friend by the time it's on, I think, television. Uh, but my cousin Michael said he's going to go try to meet the duck guy. <laughs> you know Michael a little bit. Do you think yes. he's going to meet the duck oh, guy? My, oh, probably he's already like trying to chase that <laughs> guy. Yes. He's Probably on the duck with him by <laughs> yes. now. Okay, absolutely great. All right, cool. Thank you, Betty, as always, for hanging out and doing a thing on the show. Or a con. Hurricane. Huracan. I'm nailing it. Got it right every time. <laughs> Not going to try it again. Quick braid, a lot more. 14 seconds. Not connected with the Medicare program. Fourteen seventy. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. My wife, Betty, is actually still hanging out in studio because there's food now uh, here in a place that we went and we loved a lot. The Doghouse Beer Garden. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but they're going to help me in just a second. I got Tony and I got Jesse in studio. They are the owners of the spot. How long have you guys been open? Uh, somebody grab that microphone. Pull it close to yourself. Uh, yeah, long? hey there. Hey. Um, we have been open since the end of January. Okay, so it's kind of been uh, not that long. Cause no, no, not at all. It's we, we went still over, honeymooning. Yeah, okay. We went over, we uh, went in, we discovered you, and we had a great time. It was a bunch of fun. You have a great staff there. Um, but another thing I would say is that the food, the beer, everything, it's kind of you know a surprise. Because you, when you see it from the outside, you don't know what it is inside. And then when you get in there, you're like, oh, this is, this is like a full-on thing. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the restaurant. Tell me about the goal of it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Jesse, actually, my partner, fell in love with the spot, fell in love with Peoria, thought it would be a great fit. So we went around the, pro- went you know through the process, took about like maybe a year to get open. Oh wow! Um, we did a soft opening at the end of January, just kind of introducing it on the like DoorDash and so forth. And sure. We did our our big uh, introduction to the uh, Peoria community in February. So, okay. you know, our goal is to you know, help out in the community as much as we can. So we're always looking for people to sponsor. Um, Jesse's a veteran. So we just did a big um, veterans. What would you call it? A uh, sure. Grab that other microphone, Jesse, and pull that one close to you. A fundraiser uh, for uh, Habitat for Humanity here in the city. And we helped uh, them build a house for a local veteran, which was pretty awesome. Wow. So things like that are, are a really big important goal for to you us. guys, too. And you have Absolutely. three locations in Chicago, and then this is your first location in Peoria, and you guys are looking to open more. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, that is, that is correct. Uh, first, what uh, branch of military did you serve in? I was in the United States Marine Corps for four years. Hoorah! In- Thank you very much, man, for your service. <laughs> served out in, at Camp Pendleton, California. Um, oh, wow. So obviously the military and um, you know people in uniform, whether it's any military branch or yeah. it's people that are in the police force or even uh, firefighters, they, they hold a soft spot in my heart. So yeah. um, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to do, being a prior veteran and wearing a uniform, is anyone who... You know, wears a uniform or is a veteran if they come in. Um, we have a in uniform fifty percent discount anytime. I didn't even know about that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, VF, so, the VFW so. in Peoria Sp- Heights is a giant sponsor of this show, so you probably are going to get loaded now with veterans coming nice. through. Nice. So yeah. we do veterans twenty percent. We give them. We have a card for them. Awesome. They can come in. They also we've given that out to the VA and to the Habitat for Humanity. Oh, wow. They have those for their veterans that are you know part of their community sure but anytime a veteran veteran comes in 
we we get we honor that twenty percent all the time in uniform, meaning yeah, you know, a police you got you got to show off. You yeah, gotta be fancy. You that's gotta, a fifty. I just want to clarify that. Yeah, you got to do what my Betty, uh, my wife Betty, loves to see, which is a guy in uniform. She always goes ooh every time she sees one. A that navy a, guy, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember. I remember getting out of boot camp and having my dress blues and being a you know a private and like so excited about the uniform. Sure. And, and going back to my high school to visit the teachers, and I remember like I was kind of nerdy in high school, and then you know walking through the halls and like all the heads were turning and I was like this yeah, is awesome. redemption yeah. Yeah. it yeah. works it the works. power of that is great uh, before we get to the food and you guys were very nice you brought a bunch of food in which we'll talk about in a second and then also it's a full service bar uh, there uh, doghouse beer garden in Peoria talk a little bit about the aesthetic the, the decorations it seems like you have some unique photos on some walls it seems like there's a unique approach to how you decorate these uh, bars yeah I mean I definitely fell in love with the aesthetics when I went to the first location that I visited in Burbank California but it's definitely a modern industrial right so everything's sure. like you know we have steel eye beams and it's reclaimed wood um, and then we have a couple cool um, graphics and so the thing you're referring to is actually the social hall that's yes. on one of the walls. So that's basically pictures of a bunch of different customers from every location. And Having so, a great time, by the exactly. way. Yeah. Exactly. So, and so what customers can do is they can actually post their picture on Instagram, and if they, they tag us, then they can actually end up on social walls at you know any other location that opens up. Nice. After. Do you have to be crazy? Is is crazy a good way to get on the wall or no? Okay. You're I both mean, nodding no. I don't think you have to be crazy, but, but that you, you might be. get spotted yeah. more easily, I think. But I definitely think like, uh, you know, young kids sell and puppies sure. sell. And, yes. You know, oh, that's right. Just bringing and, a bunch of puppies. Yeah, yeah. And so, something colorful or, uh -huh. you know. Game the system as much yeah, as Yeah, but can. we definitely have pictures of people, you know, stuffing their face with, you know, one of the burgers or one of the burritos. Uh, um, what time are you guys so. open until? Uh, yeah, we're open 8 a.m., till 2 a.m. That's what and, I thought. It's a 2 a.m. bar. Yeah, and so one of the great things is you can get breakfast all day and all night. Nice. You can also get lunch, and we won't judge you if you order wings at 8.30 in the morning. Don't do that, so, please. Yeah, I love <laughs> that, Our menu actually. is open um, the all the time. Yeah, the entire menu. So We didn't know about that, Betty. Uh, she loves breakfast food all the time. I don't. Uh, I like the wings at 8 o'clock in the morning, so this is wonderful. Uh, See? <laughs> tell me a little bit about the food, all the different options you have, as Betty's eating, I think, a slider uh, right now in She's studio? eating a cheeseburger slider. Yes. Nice. Yes. So, so so we are doghouse, so we do craft uh, casual dogs, sausages, and burgers. Um, we also have chicken sandwiches, and we have breakfast burritos. But the thing about our proteins, the one thing that we really fell in love with is that we source our beef from Creekstone Farms in Kansas, family-owned wow. farm, but it's no hormones, no antibiotics, never ever. Sure. And then also um, our dogs and sausages feature no nitrates or nitrites. Oh, right? wow. So we naturally cure them with, uh, with celery salt. Okay, that's um, great. Yep, which I think is pretty amazing. And then kind of one of our signature things is everything served on a grilled King's Hawaiian roll. Yep. So, you know, we have all these different flavor profiles and different textures. So whether it's crunchy or it's spicy or it's smoky or you got vinegar, um, you have a little hint of sweetness in there as well. So... So you so guys fell in love good. with the food then as well as the establishment when you went and checked it out. You said in California is when you first discovered Definitely, this? Definitely, yep. That's started. where they started, yeah. yeah it gotcha. started in Pasadena, California. Gotcha. Um, so tell me anything else that we should know for anyone that's going to swing out there. You guys have a full bar, as I said. Is there any events coming up, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, one great thing to know is that we do deliver. You don't have to go through DoorDash. You nice. can support us directly on our website, doghouse.com. And, um, you know, we also do catering. Um, we sponsor... You know, Little League games, we will take food to sporting events. Like, mm -hmm. we're very flexible and very accommodating. Um, you know, we're in the Rose Bowl. So we, our, uh, our, our 
company as a whole does thousands of wow. uh, people for catering. So we really have no limit. Cool. Um, so I like that. And then the, the open late part, I think, is very unique. Especially serve, here. Yes. We serve food and alcohol till 2 a.m. On mm-hmm. the weeknights, it's 1 a.m. for alcohol. Yeah. Um, that Peoria made us do that. Don't blame us. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then just, right. just, just touching on the bar. So we have 14 craft beers on tap, and those are constantly rotating. Nice. Um, so we're meeting with beer distributors weekly, and we you know have a healthy rotation. But we got light beers. We got dark beers. We got IPAs. We got nitros. Um, and then we have a pretty fun and unique uh, cocktail list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially... Hey, by the way, hold on. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. Who is helping you uh, choose the beers do you need anybody else do you need any volunteers to get in there and be a part of this process uh, a sampler pick, yeah a sampler you know, maybe you, you know the job just opened up so it <laughs> Fan, could be yours fantastic that's wonderful <laughs> how do you guys actually go about picking those which ones you want um well right now that's my job so okay. i mean that's kind of the worst job ever i know yeah. i know so I do. A, I trust the beer reps a lot. I mean, I kind of go with sure. what's hot for the season. Um, one thing I'd love to mention: we're about to have a Maui beer on called uh, the Big Wave. Oh wow! It's a golden ale. Yeah. And uh, one important thing that we didn't talk about is we are raising money, and we kind of shifted very quickly for the Maui Strong Fund, Good. given sure. all the fires in Hawaii right now. Wow! So we will have three items starting on the first: a wing item called the Mighty Mau. Moa wings. Sorry about that. Sure. Um, the oh, what Ohana. Is Ohana sandwich, nice. the chicken sandwich, and uh, and then a drink, the Aloha Spirit. Wow. Um, so one dollar of each of those items will go directly to supporting. That's fantastic. The Hawaiian fire. That's great, so. actually. And by the way, I told you I have a lot of uh, VFW listeners in Peoria Heights because they're kind sponsors. You just got a bunch of messages to consider getting Casper Beer, which is a veteran-owned brewery in Bloomington, Illinois. Done. I'll tell you more I about it. I got you. <laughs> I'll tell you more about it after that. You, you, know, you know, I actually. So when we first were looking to open in Chicago. There was a, a brewery, I think it was called Freedom Road, I believe, and we, we that was something I definitely wanted to look into because they only employed veterans or spouses yeah. of veterans, and then when we got to opening, I don't think they were really producing much anymore. And they weren't so, delivering so it. So that is yeah. definitely a cause that cool. like, I want to support. Tell them. If I can cool. support veterans. We're and... on it. We have to wait for the next rotation, <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna be a bit, you have yeah. to come drink some beer so we can get rid of the beer that's there we on. Go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. these guys can do that. They'll have yeah. no problem with yeah. that part. And, uh, and, then, and then what else do you want to say? Yeah. yeah, and then so with the rotating beers, like one, one of the things we noticed coming to Peoria is that there's a huge uh, German population. Yes. And so one of the things we underestimated was like how many brats we were going to sell, <laughs> but also how popular the, um, the, the German beers would be. Sure. Yeah, we make our own sausages. That's a oh cool. Um, I mean, there's so much to talk about and save yeah. a little time, but we do make the bratwurst ourselves. It's a proprietary item, along with the hot dog and the other nice. sausages. Yeah, so. the food's great. Uh, the The atmosphere is a lot of fun. As I said, the staff members we met were all a bunch of fun. Uh, we loved it, and we're probably going to go back a bunch. And anyone that doesn't know where it is, it's sitting right next to Noodle and Company. And I, as I said, like from the outside. It looks like just a, maybe another restaurant. But you get inside, it's a pretty fun atmosphere, pretty fun bar in the Metro Center, 4712 North University Avenue, uh, 4712 North University. Thank you both for coming out and hanging out. Of course. Out. Thank, Thank you for, for having, having us. us. Sure. No problem. A quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3. I'm true. Jones Brothers, Jones. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. It's that time. You know what time it is. It's time for this. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Craig Collins Show. That's right. These are the five biggest news stories of the day, according to me. Uh, very kind of the uh, doghouse beer garden to give us food as topics. Uh, Betty is eating a too-shy Chicago hot dog. 
uh, in studio right now, still hanging out, uh, and it looks delicious. Uh, not all of it, Betty. Save some of it. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's lovely. Save some of it for me. Uh, all right. Uh, first, the number five story. We're still going to use uh, use David Letterman to help us out. Number five. Why, thank you, sir. Uh, the number five story to me is just because now it has officially weakened. The deadly uh, hurricane Adalia is now being categorized as a tropical storm as it continues to move through Georgia and the Carolinas. Flood is uh, pummeling parts of Florida. Uh, certainly, there is power outages and all kinds of things. Uh, the extent of the damage or the the toll the storm has uh, wreaked on Florida is probably something that'll still take a while for us to understand. But I guess the good news, however weird it is to say it that way, is that as it continues to move now, it is weakened, which is something that you actually see quite often. Uh, and I have family in uh, the Tampa area in Florida that told me that uh, they saw a whole lot of flooding and that power is out. But for the most part, they don't see in their area a tremendous amount of damage. Excuse me. Uh, number four on this list of top topics. I do. I do think this is a top topic. And probably people are going to say I'm wrong about it. But, oh, wait, help me out, Dave. Number four. Thank you again, sir. Uh, this is something that was asked of the president by Glenn Beck. You heard it right here on 1470 because uh, Glenn is a part of the station uh, about who he thinks would be a vice presidential candidate uh, for Trump. This is a rational thing to start thinking about. Other candidates, of course, still hope to make some sort of headway in the world of uh, them versus Trump. Uh, but after that first debate, when no one really went after Trump, Nikki Haley a little bit, Chris Christie a lot. But, you know, Chris Christie is, I think, an outside shot, uh, to say the very least, of becoming someone more relevant. Um, it is a Trump versus the world kind of thing on the Republican side. And Vivek Ramaswamy is someone who came out to some of us, me included, having won that debate. And so that name came up as a response to who would be your vice president. He didn't go as far as to say that would be someone I'd consider for that. I think Trump more was, uh, you know, just sort of ambiguous about it. But here we go. Uh, you weren't going, but you would be watching the uh, the debate for a vice president. Have you thought of Vice President Ramaswamy? Well, I think he's great. Look, anybody that said I'm the best uh, president in a generation, I don't know, you'll have to define generation, but it's a long time. And uh, he said it a couple of times, and he said it in 100 years. So I, I have to like a guy like that. You know, I can't get up, upset with him, but he's a smart guy. Uh, he's a young guy. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's a very, very, uh, a very intelligent person. He's got good energy, and he, he could be in some form of something. I tell you, I think he'd be very good. I think he's very good. I think he's really distinguished himself. He's starting to get out there a little bit. He's a little bit getting a little bit controversial. I got to tell him be a little bit careful because some things you, you have to hold in just a little bit, right? But yeah. he's, uh, he's I, I have to be honest. That is an amazing thing to hear Trump say. He's like, well, he's being a little bit controversial. Rain that back a little bit. Uh, of course, many, many people would feel that Trump long has been a controversial figure himself, and other people will feel like that's complete crap, and they love the guy. Um, but it is interesting, and it, it I feel like it, it plays with what I, I think could be going on, because I do think uh, Vivek is making himself a more and more rational vice presidential pick, uh, but he's also allowing Trump to seem like a more reasonable person sometimes if you go above and beyond any of the stuff that Trump has said. And so the fact that Glenn Beck left 
so hard at that. And so many other people, I assume, probably would find that funny. Even if you hate Trump, you might find that funny. Uh, it demonstrates the power of being someone that pushes the envelope even further than Trump at the benefit of the former president. All right, that is number four on the list. Uh, let's get to number three. Three. No, wait, hold on. Uh, number three. There we go. Let's do it correctly. Uh, number three on the list for me is that, uh, and this feels like it probably should be higher, but I don't know uh, where we'll be with all this. Senator Mitch McConnell appeared to freeze up again during a media presser in Kentucky. Um, he was speaking. He eventually couldn't speak at all and just sort of stood there. The The craziest part to the, the audio I'm about to play in a second is that they, they let him stand out for longer than I'd expect them to. And then eventually he did start to answer questions and talk again, um, uh, although eventually I think they did usher him to the back. Uh, a lot of people are saying that this looks um, very much like some sort of stroke, uh, some sort of mini stroke, and it's the second time we've seen one of these. So the health of uh, the senator is certainly something that I think will be talked about even more now if it wasn't already being discussed after the first time we saw this. But here we go. What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. That's right. I'm not doing anything to edit this audio. Did this is the, the real version. Running for re-election in 2026? Yes. Yeah. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. Yeah, and they probably should have just moved him away, but he's still standing there. All right, this is one part that I know it's like kind of just like dead air kind of thing happening, but it, I'm just playing the real audio the way it exists. But I want to I want to push the audio up even higher so you can hear this part, because I think Mitch McConnell did say no when asked if they wanted to move him back at first. Do you want to go outside? Do you want to go outside is what I hear twice. And then I know I think McConnell would would be aware of the political ramifications of walking out again because of what happened the first time. So I think he might now even be trying to battle any sort of uh, issues, any sort of uh, challenges that he's facing um, to remain in, in office, which is something I highly recommend people do not do uh, for their own sake. All right, let's do this. Number two. Number two story. I love this um, end result to a story that I talked a little bit about yesterday. Uh, the middle schooler who was um, pulled out of class for having the Don't Tread on Me flag, uh, the Gadsden flag, on his backpack is now allowed to wear that backpack with that flag to school. Uh, the 12-year-old in Colorado uh, was viral all over the news. Lots of people discussing it. Audio uh, was played, and I don't even know how exactly that was recorded. It seemed to be something that they weren't even aware uh, was happening uh, as it was happening. Uh, but audio was recorded, and I guess the school has now caved. The thing that's so interesting to me about this, and I don't mean to talk about this uh, for too long. I, I gave most of my uh, thoughts about it uh, when it was as viral of a story yesterday. But it's the fact that people desire so much to intentionally misinterpret, in my opinion, the reason that someone else would honor some part of our history uh, or even other things beyond that. I, I need to re-explain that, I'm sure. But what I mean is there are times when a little kid might wind up liking a, a specific flag, told it's from the American Revolution and powerful there, told that it at times was tied to specific branches of our military and that it honors our military in some ways, told a bunch of things about the value of the flag or also just uh, that it, it symbolizes sort of an independence or a desire to you know stand strong in the face of whatever. 
And because it was also used at times during the Civil War, other people decide the true intention of that flag is racism. And so even though the little kid might have no intention, no awareness whatsoever to any sort of accusation made as to whether or not that flag is somehow controversial, somehow religiously motivated, that idea is applied to the child and the use of the flag, and that's the reason that the school says we have to remove this, we have to get rid of this, uh, this is something that you're not allowed uh, to do anymore. Um, and I, I think that that's a tremendous problem so much in our society, because if you are just being an honest and, you know, typical person, I almost said normal, but I want to say like an honest person, you could give more people the benefit of the doubt, even when you come up with something that you think potentially might mean that their actions or their their, um, you know, reference to something or their their use of a flag or something could somehow potentially be like the decision that it has to be racism is the part that I so struggle with in any of the woke stuff that happens in our society. And actually, by the way, I don't mean for this to be a long rant on this, and I know it's only topic number two, uh, but one other thing I thought of, and this is uh, just the other day, um, I thought of a better way to define woke, uh, which is something that people ask all the time if it can be defined and no one can define it or whatever uh, people say. Um, but to me, uh, the easiest definition of woke is it's a desire to find any um, potential reason to object to anything. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is you're objecting to. And if there's some nugget, some some shred of rationality uh, in someone's opinion to something being somehow uh, upsetting to someone else, uh, racist, sexist, uh, offensive in any way, then erring on the side of caution to the extreme of always censoring whatever those things are that people have decided somehow, some way are tied to something bad or intend to be something negative. That is woke. That's being woke is always erring on the side of, well, somebody somewhere said there's some way that that whatever I just said is bad, even if I had no intention of meaning it, the crazy way they've just interpreted it. And so now we can't say this anymore, can't do that. And my best example of it, uh, by the way, uh, the easiest example I have of it is, in fact, um, when America, the word, or American, excuse me, was removed from certain schools, I think that was on the West Coast, because they said it was offensive and not inclusive uh, to people who were here before us. Uh, that is not the way that anyone uses the word American in society. It's just not a normal human thing. So to accuse people of things that they're not doing because you think there's some way they could have done it, I don't know. To, to invent intention is, in fact, the problem. That, to me is wokeness in a nutshell, inventing intention that doesn't exist in situations. All right, I want to play the number one, the number one story of the day. Here we number go. One. To me, the number one story continues to be the parents who are uh, testifying and even today speaking directly in front of the president of the United States about losing their children in Afghanistan, uh, people who served and protect our country, uh, 13. Uh, some of these parents are, are rightfully very, very upset and um, rightfully even more so than that, feel as though the people in power are not hearing them. Uh, the people in power are not uh, accepting responsibility or fault for any of the things that they've done. There was even a moment where Biden the other day said that name me one thing I have failed at. Name me one objective that I've missed out on. And one of the parents got very upset in responding to that today by saying Afghanistan is one of those. But I want to play this. Uh, this is a gold star father. Uh, Biden has run for 50 years as a family man is the premise of the statement. And it's excellently, excellently demonstrated that if you care so much about telling the American people every day that you're a good, honest, kind person, a good guy, 
who's, you know, just trying to, to take care of everybody, whatever the, the narrative is on the guy he is, then how could you turn away and, and not do more for these families after this mistake was made? Mr. Biden has run his entire political campaign for 50 years as the family man. Well, I've got news for you, sir. The curtain has been lifting, and that campaign slogan will never work again. We have seen what's going on in your family, and even worse, we've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. It is powerful, powerful messaging. I will stop it there just because I have to take a break. Uh, but there's more. Maybe I'll play more after the break of a couple other parents who spoke as well. Um, because um, to me, the most important aspect of this is that every single one of those parents believes that a bunch of uh, things were ignored, signs were ignored, and, and there seems to be proof that there were, and that this could have easily been prevented even in the moments before it happened. I think most other people who make an argument about the failed exit in Afghanistan talk about the totality of the plan and all the moving pieces that get to the inevitability of us losing uh, military members at the airport um, as people are trying to evacuate. Uh, but these parents are even more specific about where the mistake was made and the, the inability to prevent someone from gaining access and detonating a, a bomb uh, is, in, in fact, itself the biggest challenge, the biggest, um, you know, uh, failure that needs to be addressed and is being refused to be addressed by this administration. A quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100. starts here. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three, WMD. It's the Craig Holland Show. Was I eating uh, some of the uh, doghouse beer garden food that was brought in uh, during that break? Right up until uh, this moment, right now, maybe, maybe the answer is yes. They have an awesome Chicago hot dog. They have an awesome cowboy hot dog that I think TJ and traffic stole and has now. No, I think we gave it to him. I think we willingly handed it to him. All right, some stuff out there, real quickly. I want to play this again. I really enjoyed. Something that Oliver Anthony said, he did a podcast interview with Joe Rogan, and one of the things he talked about was his faith and also uh, the changes he's made in his life that led up to this moment where he's now virally very famous and rejecting deals from uh, different um, companies that are asking him to, you know, sign over probably the rights to music or start creating music with their um, input, uh, some version of control, and then also they're offering him millions and millions of dollars that he is able to turn down. It's impressive to think about that and also what his values are. I'm not the guy that can play in front of 12,000 people on guitar. I would be like, I mean, I had never played a paid gig. When we when we played the show at the farm market where Jamie Johnson showed up, that was my first paid gig. <laughs> like, I'm not a guy to go out and play live shows, but I can tell you I was so like... Um, I was just so at peace being up there. Like, it just felt like that's where I was supposed to be. I just decided, like, right then and there, I was like, I know I can't do this anymore. And But I know I know that I can – I know there's things that I need to do. And I just – I was just, just told God, I was like, just let me do it. I'll give up the weed and I'll quit getting drunk and I'll quit um, – I'll quit being so angry about things. And I'll just – like, we'll, I'll just call it good. Whatever I've done up from from – up until I was 30 or whatever, 31, like, I'll, we'll just call that good and I'll start over again. And um, you change, you, you, I quit worrying about me and I started worrying about what, what it is that I'm supposed to do. You know, like it talks in the Bible about um, 
about being a servant and you know giving up i guess my desire and my will and whatever it is that i that i want to do like i don't know the best way to describe it but it's about it's about trying to use what i have as a tool versus doing what i can in the moment to give what give myself whatever satisfaction that it is i'm trying to get so as i get to know oliver anthony better through the things he says and does i like him more uh, even though he uh, did say he's not a big fan of a bunch of conservative um um you know uh, media and all the ways in which conservative media embraced him that's fine i don't care uh, and he doesn't like um politicians either side of the aisle also fine don't mind that uh, but the guy does seem like a, a genuinely interesting dude who isn't chasing fame specifically and is probably going to keep putting out more music. Whether or not his, his other songs will be as successful as uh, The Rich Men North of Richmond, we'll, we'll see. I don't know if they'll be as political as that one, uh, judging by the things he's saying in these interviews. I don't think that's the objective he has with his music. All right, um, we'll take a break in just a bit. Uh, will Stevenson will fire off some news. I know that he didn't get a hot dog of some kind. I know that you were No, offered. I did not, but I will tell you that I've had the breakfast burritos from that place. Really? They are the best I've ever had. That's awesome. Yes. No, yeah. we had a great time. We went over there. We met a few of the, the staff members that were joking with us the whole time. We just had such a great time. I'm like, hey, you guys want to be on the radio? And they said, sure. And so, uh, lo and behold, that's what happened today. Yeah. And they brought me a bunch of uh, free food. Great place. Nice. And uh, TJ's raving about the hot dog he I had, heard him. So. Yeah, I heard, he seems very happy about that. That was the cowboy. Yeah. That was like the chili dog, right? Yeah, I was a little intimidated by that one. <laughs> it was offered to you first. <laughs> yeah, you no, said no. Yeah, TJ, yeah. well, I, I know how much TJ starves when he comes to work. <laughs> So you got to take one for the team and uh, and send one down to the kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to out you, TJ. I know you're there. I can turn on your mic. Yeah. You, you do seem you do seem hungry at times. I will be honest. He said, I skip yeah. lunch a lot. That's I, the problem. I, let okay. me tell you what happened. Betty sure. walks in with the hot dog, and uh -huh. before Betty has even finished the question, <laughs> TJ has said, "Yes, yes! I want that, <laughs> please." I and then he, share it with and then you. He, I know, but you, yeah, because you were in the middle of trying to do traffic, which I think you realized after you quickly said yeah. yes to the hot dog. That you had to do other stuff. <laughs> but but no, no, that was. Uh, are it, you chained to your desk in there, stuff. TJ? Or are you allowed out? He Am I gets what? out more than I do. <laughs> I'd let him answer the question, sir. <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. I'm not chained. Okay, good. I good. just don't know if you have me up or not. So. Uh, yeah, you're up. You're on the air. Okay. I'm, I'm hearing you right I, now. We're talking. Uh, we're all here. right. I'm going to take fun. I'm going to take a break. We're having fun. <laughs> TJ's very hungry. Send more food to TJ <laughs> yeah, ASAP. You know, soon, and so. I think about it, he did ask me if he could leave the building today and go grab lunch, and I don't think he ever did. I actually, I actually love a segment I might launch at some point on the show. Let's feed TJ. Just send <laughs> Ooh, him food. He can do reviews live on the air. Let's do this. Yeah, let's feed TJ. Pick any item you want to send him. I'll He'll take, eat it. I'll take free it, lunches. I was going to say, as long as it doesn't conflict with whatever it is he planned three days ago to have, yeah, on, have that's for true. dinner tonight. I forgot about that. That is true. Sometimes right. preparation's important. All right, I should get Where to the Where are we news. going back to Avanti's, uh, Craig? I don't know. Sometime soon. He, uh, we'll figure it out. He thinks he's being mean to me by suggesting that since I didn't go, but he's not. I don't know what this is becoming. I'm Did in the middle of you want to meet my disc golf friends too, Will? No. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to take a break now. I'm going to go. Time to play the feud. <laughs> I turned off uh, TJ's mic. I don't know what else is happening. I'd like to get to the news. Let's do other stuff. This has been great, though. This has been really fun. I hope you guys don't feud after this. No. Uh, Will Stevenson. I'll let you know if we do, though, so you can have it on the air. I would like to turn on the microphones, yes, in that moment. Um, Will Stevenson has got you covered. You, you can, can listen. turn on his anytime you want, you know. <laughs> you can listen to us anywhere on the globe. Just download the WMBD radio app on your smartphone. Will Stevenson, with maybe TJ bursting in and punching him, is live and local in WMBD radio newsroom we would definitely highlight all of it on the show if it happens Go i ahead. would try my best to be a man and take it on the air <laughs> if that were to happen though wow
Awesome. If you, especially if you have like uh, Advil nearby or something no, I, I can take. I don't have any. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's we'll figure it out. All right. Anyway, uh, might be some headaches down in Florida and the southeast with Hurricane Adalia reaching Florida's west coast this morning, causing severe damage to many communities. In some areas, wind speeds reached up to 125 miles an hour. Florida governor and presidential candidate Ron DeSantis says he's talked with President Joe Biden surrounding the storm system amidst this ongoing 2024 presidential race. DeSantis, though, says he is working with the president to support those in need. This is uh, the real deal. You have people's lives that, that have been at risk. We, we don't necessarily have any confirmed fatalities yet, but that very well may change. And then you have people whose livelihoods have been have been turned upside down. The storm made landfall as a Category 3 hurricane and was downgraded to a Category 1 within hours. It's now a tropical storm, and we've learned there may be at least two people now dead. More at WMBDRadio.com. A teenager arrested Monday night at an apartment in Normal just days after Peoria's 17th homicide of the year will be tried as an adult. Peoria County State's Attorney Jody Hoos says she's filed first-degree murder charges against 17-year-old Jared Williams. Williams, whose claims walked right up to 21-year-old Mason Loy and fired shots at him several times Saturday night in the parking lot of Laramie Liquors in South Peoria. Loy was pronounced dead at the scene. While still at the juvenile detention facility, Williams is being held on $1.5 million bond and will be arraigned September 28th. In other news, flight attendants for a major airline have voted to authorize a strike. The Association of Professional Flight Attendants says more than 99% of members who voted said yes to authorizing a strike of American Airlines. When pilots recently signed a new contract with the airline, they got a 40% raise over four years. Flight attendants who say they haven't had a raise in four years likely won't get as good a deal. One flight attendant was quoted as saying they need to be paid more if they're expected to be based in large cities during these years of inflation. A strike to the world's largest airline would be disruptive, but federal law makes it unlikely. An airline-related strike needs approval from federal mediators after they find further negotiations won't help. Fox's Jessica Rosenthal. WMBD News is brought to you by Oberlander Electric for all your 24-7, 365 electrical needs, including solar power and generators. Call or go to oberlanderelectric.com. A trusted name in central Illinois. Get to work. Fourteen seventy, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. We're going to do bad story, good story, or good story, bad story, as I usually call it, right here in just a second. Uh, before I do that, I wanted to play some audio, uh, audio of one of the uh, fathers, and I have to make sure that I've edited. You know what? We're going to wait on this, actually, because I, I see right now that it's not fully edited. But there was one more powerful moment uh, within that conversation that was being had uh, with um, uh, parents of the fallen soldiers uh, in Afghanistan um, today. And it, it's probably something that should be viral and isn't. But again, there's some choice language in it that I don't begrudge the guy for using uh, that I'll have to hold off on. So we'll, we'll get to that in about 15 minutes or so. I uh, will play that audio. 
audio for you toward the tail end of the show. A good story, bad story. Let's start with the good stories. And there are uh, quite a few out there, actually. Uh, There is a a news station in San Antonio that did a big profile on a 93-year-old woman who makes dog beds out of leftover fabric and hands them out at animal shelters. Her name is Joan. She says it makes her happy to know that random dogs somewhere will be sleeping more comfortably because of her. Uh, It's a pretty cool story. I know there's some audio with it, too. I love that, like, human beings just take on all different kinds of, like, this is my cause, this is my thing, this is what I want to help out with. And and then some people among us uh, use their own hands, their own, you know, time to be the one to actually create that. I know Vets Helping Vets is a really cool organization locally that does something similar where they uh, make uh, mobile scooters for people in need of them, for veterans in need of them. And that man that I met that, that runs that company, he's literally the guy creating those products. So very, very cool. Here's the Texas woman. I just am happy to do it for them and to know that some dog is going to be comfortable. It makes me feel so good to know that they're not going to be laying on cement or a hard floor. Their bones ache, too. And <laughs> the expression on their face, they all have expressions. And I just love them. Uh, I love that. I love that so much. They all have expressions. I see the expressions on the dog's faces. They seem very happy uh, that I've provided them with something, and I love doing it. That's that's awesome. All right, that's the good story. Uh, now we get to the bad story immediately after it. And this one, to me, is is hilarious now that I know more about it, because I definitely didn't think it was funny at the moment, but aspects of it are just, they're so unbelievable. And so I, I hope you wind up finding humor in this, because I do. However, I wouldn't suggest anyone do this. So if you remember the story, I think it was from uh, some point last week, where there was a, a shooting in Chicago inside the White Sox um, a stadium, inside U.S. Cellular Field. That's, of course, not funny. I'm not trying to say that's humorous. That was startling. Because so many questions would be asked. How did someone get a gun in there? Why was there a shooting? Why was there a conflict of any kind? And we didn't have answers. Now, apparently, we do. Uh, The person who fired a gun inside uh, the game on Friday uh, during uh, a White Sox game and then actually wound up getting the, the concert itself canceled hid the gun in their fat rolls is what it says i don't know why you would do this and then it randomly went off while they were at the game uh hitting um the person and their friend and both are okay both are fine otherwise i wouldn't talk about any of this being being humorous either but i just i just don't understand i know chicago and especially the south side is a side that has a lot of violence and issues uh, vanilla ice by the way was the can the um the concert that was canceled which is sort of funny uh, but i even have one person talking about not even believing that it occurred because people didn't even really hear the gunshot i said uh, i guess i I heard them say Uh, so here i'll play this audio first but then again i'll say why would anyone do this why would you hide a gun in a part of your body that i guess you successfully hit it in just to bring it into the like why what was the intention of that and then to have it go off and shoot you is the part that i think is sort of just resort uh, just desserts as as long as they're of course fine which they are but it's just a crazy story they had to walk through all the metal detectors and they were going off for people's watches and stuff and then they you know they do a double check and stuff so i don't know how somebody got in there like that we kind of felt like it was BS at first, but, I mean, I don't know why they would say that if it didn't happen. Yeah, it definitely did happen, and it's just the craziest thing. It's the weirdest thing. And now that I know how it occurred, 
I, I don't know what they're going to do to prevent this now other than, you know, uh, make some people uncomfortable. If for some reason I can't imagine they do anything with this, make some people uncomfortable. If for some reason they think you're hiding something on Because honestly, the biggest question I had was how did someone get a gun in there in the first place? This was not the answer I was expecting. And it's certainly to me a bad story, a low point in society to hear that this is the way that that happened. And by the way, I didn't choose the term uh, fat rolls. That's the, the term that was chosen by the story that covered this or maybe even uh, law enforcement. I don't know. Uh, but just sort of crazy to think that it even effectively worked to hide a gun on your body like that and then get it into a game. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3. Protection starts here. Fourteen seventy, one hundred 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about, as I always say, and very little time left as we're about out of here. But I do want to play that audio that I was uh, mentioning a bit ago, uh, the audio of the military father who's uh, irate uh, in some of the ways those conversations have gone uh, in the world of politics. And you can't blame him. You can't blame any of them. And actually, I'll even say this before I play the audio. Uh, because I think some people see this as just a political attack and somehow uh, turn the parents into people that have a political motivation in criticizing the current president or anyone in command of the military uh, during that failed uh, exit in Afghanistan. But I'll be honest, what I hear from people when I hear this is that taking responsibility for the mistake in and of itself would have been powerful enough to at least not create these types of sentiments, these demands for people to be removed from positions of power. It's not necessarily a Democrat versus Republican thing. It's an unwillingness to accept responsibility and talk about the people who gave their lives for the country uh, much more uh, significantly than this administration has done so far. And if you believe some of the other things that have been said, especially about some of the survivors of um, that attack in Afghanistan, uh, Biden seemed almost immediately concerned with what people wanted. That's what one uh, veteran said um, who survived, as I said, um, that in the hospital uh, when Biden visited him, he asked, what do you want, as opposed to how are you or anything else that would be you know, human to discuss with someone. And so I think that that's what's really at the heart of the anger and the power within uh, some of these things that are said. But I played most of this audio a bit ago. I want to play uh, just this last part because it is, to me, important for people to hear it. Well, I stood there on the tarmac watching you check your watch over and over again. All I wanted to do was shout out, it's 2.30. But out of respect to the other grieving families, I bit my tongue once again. Well, as you could probably tell by now, I'm done biting my tongue. I can tell. You, sir, stole their lives, their futures, their dreams, and have ripped apart 13 families. You cannot even man up and admit that. That's the part right there at the end that seems like the most important part. Um, and I'll only say this, and I, I don't know uh, these things, and I don't pretend to know these things, by the way. I don't, I don't want anyone hearing what I'm about to say to think that I somehow believe I can comprehend the, the sacrifice or the experience of serving and, and protecting our country. I can't. But in uh, talking to a lot of people who've done exactly that in some way, shape or form, especially even my family members uh, who are parts of um, different uh, branches of the mill, mostly Marines. Uh, but my grandfather was um, an army uh, guy. The biggest thing that almost everyone I talk to um, desires from from people 
is accountability, is responsibility, is, is owning your mistakes. The, the people that I talk to that have served our country are very good at, at telling me when, when they kind of open up, when I talk to them a little bit more about the mistakes they've made in their own lives. They're very good at, at, at I think, um, discussing or even like focusing on a problem and then finding solution to said problem. And so I, I do believe that the biggest slap in the face to every one of these families, every one of these these parents is simply the lack of accountability and the lack of accepting accountability. If you have a job that requires you to send people into harm's way, whatever branch of the military you're in, whatever level you're at, if you're just in command of a, a unit or if you're in command of the entire military, like our president is, the one thing you need to be capable of is understanding uh, that, you know, sacrifice, that willingness to say yes when you ask someone to do something. And if uh, someone loses their life and you feel somehow that it's your fault, um, hold yourself responsible. Admit to your mistake, um, apologize to the family, uh, do all the things that make you, quote unquote, a man, which is what they've said he's not doing, uh, being a coward. And I do think that would have gone a long way, not in replacing the family members lost, but understanding that value was, um, you know, placed, seen in the individuals who do this and the individuals who uh, serve and protect our country. And, and anyone and everyone who's listening to the show can please correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I think just being willing to accept fault when fault is something that you should accept is something that makes a lot of people in military respect uh, those above them. Uh, and I think it's a thing that a lot of people need to do in a lot of other places in our society that we don't. Um, accepting fault is, it seems to be one of the hardest things for almost anyone in the world of social media, loud people or whoever, uh, to do. And when we yell and scream our opinion at somebody else without listening to their side of it, I think even more so, you're just uh, blazing out any and all versions of of that respect that comes, I think, from, uh, you know, serving and protecting our country once again and going through the training the military provides. But uh, that's that's my reaction. And actually, on that note, I will go ahead and say this real quick. I do love going to the uh, VFW in Peoria Heights. I mean that. And it's not. Uh, anyone that pictures this like full of of um, uh, veterans who are, are mad or, or, you know, somehow something uh, there are veterans in there. And I love having conversations with them. Uh, there are people who didn't uh, serve our country in there, too, because the VFW is open to everybody. And that's something the other day that people were saying they didn't even know. It's got great food. The bartenders are awesome. Uh, they're running a fundraiser right now to help out uh, in a couple different things. And you can find out more information if you go in there for that. Their raffle is almost at 100000 dollars which they do a community raffle every single week so that's a lot of money you could potentially win if you go in for that but i love going there 1505 east lake avenue in peoria heights 1505 east lake avenue 309-682-9875 is the phone number and if you see a keurig coffee machine in the corner that's betty's she brought that there and she bought a bunch of keurigs for people to have so there's coffee there too i don't know what they charge in the menu or how any of that works uh, but betty would love for people to go in and grab a cup of her her coffee uh, not that she made it you know it's just uh, whatever you buy in the little packets but i love the fact that it's there and every time we go betty gets a coffee and i always forget it's on the menu because Betty betty brought the machine to do it all right i'm gonna move on another thing i wanted to play just quickly something that i thought was kind of a palate cleanser after the seriousness of talking about what i think is an important topic in the military parents i want to play this this is a bit of a annoying audio maybe for some people to hear but it is what it is uh, this is a baby crying 
being compared to the sounds R2-D2 makes in the uh, Star Wars movies because they sound eerily similar. And I have to be honest, I, I don't know if this is rare or if every baby just sounds like R2-D2, but someone somewhere decided that their baby sound enough uh, like it to put both sounds back to back, and they're really similar. So I, I don't know if this could happen anytime, every time. I don't know if it's special, uh, but it's something that went viral anyway. All right, hold on. Let me actually hit the right button to play it, and then we'll get it going. <laughs> First one, baby. Second one, R2-D2. I'm sure you could probably have guessed which one was which. But here, one more time. And again, I apologize for anyone getting mad at baby screaming into the uh, uh, radio at you. (laughs) That does seem like a gift. I wonder if the secret we'll find out is that R2-D2 was just voiced by a baby that was just getting sad at several different moments. And that's the entirety of how that um, thing became a thing. I don't know. Uh, But I do love it. I love that someone, a parent, went viral for putting it up there. Uh, and um, probably a whole bunch of people who uh, listen to it are people that are uh, giant Star Wars fans, I imagine. And I just played it twice on the radio. Uh, I'm not a giant Star Wars fan, by the way. I think that uh, David Van Camp has taken that role here at the station, although I think he's taken it begrudgingly. Um, so I will have to get his uh, weighing in on whether or not he thinks the two sound as similar as everybody else does. Uh, another story that's out there in the world that I thought was kind of uh, interesting, uh, mostly because it's surprising some people, but it doesn't really surprise me much at all. Uh, the United States is home to seven of the top ten tourist traps in the country, or tourist traps, excuse me, in the world. Um, seven out of the top ten of places that you go, and they're a waste of time when you're there, and you feel like you really got, um, you know, uh, tricked into being there in the first place uh, based on, I don't know what, maybe a Burger King does their advertising, and the display item is not the same as the being there. But here are some of the things. I've never been to any of these top five. Uh, Four Corners Monument in Arizona, uh, the Salem Witch Twi- uh, Museum in uh, Massachusetts, uh, the Calico Ghost Town in California, the Crazy Horse Memorial in South Dakota, and the International UFO Museum in New Mexico. I will tell you, though, I one time went to the Mummy Museum uh, in um, Guanajuato in Mexico, and this is a museum of, of actual, like, mummified bodies. Um, but what was funny about it, because that's not necessarily funny, it was actually kind of interesting when we actually got to the museum, is we signed up with a guy that was standing on the side of the road, which was probably a mistake in retrospect, uh, with a little sign, and he had, like, a little vehicle, and he said that he took people to the Mummy Museum. And then he proceeded to drive us for uh, maybe an hour and a half around the town to everything but the mummy museum he would get out of the car and he would say this is this attraction in the town that's very important and everybody loves it and then immediately walk us into like some store to buy stuff and it felt the third or fourth time like this is definitely not a special establishment it's not important i was the only one who didn't speak fluent spanish by the way so i think uh, the rest of my family was just having fun with the fact that they knew the whole thing was sort of a prank and i was still going along with it but you'd walk into the store and you'd be like okay what's special about this again and you'd be like this way it's very special very important and uh probably you should buy some stuff and then eventually he took us to the Mummy Museum. So the trap was not the, the thing itself. The trap was the tour to get there and all the other stuff he tried to get you to buy and people he tried to make you visit. Uh, and actually, I think he even brought us to a restaurant and made us sit down. And then we probably bought a lunch there. It was just hilarious. There must be some really great uh, set of um, you know deals going on where this guy brings in customers to all the other places before eventually actually taking you to the Mummy Museum. And I think we even paid for the tour. 
which was the craziest part, because uh, we probably should have got that for free uh, since we um, did spend money at some of the places he brought us. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's the show today. I love having uh, you here with us. Uh, Dave Ramsey is coming up next. Will has got your news. I am back uh, tomorrow, as always. Uh, 1470 is an AM, 100.3 is an FM. All over the Internet, as I always say, WMBDRadio.com and the WMBD Radio app. Or tell your smart speaker to play WMBD Radio.